What's happening, everyone? Welcome to the Paranormies. I'm Johnny Monoxide, and tonight I am joined by Reinhardt. What's up? What's going on, everybody? Happy Spooktober. Happy Spook Month. Also joining me this evening, Otterwaffen Jack. Hello. Guys, I'm a bit spooked out. Please tell me skeletons aren't real. Um, there's one inside of you. The only way to, the only way to know for sure is to tear off your own skin. I need to tear it out. Okay. I need to tear it out. Tear it out. Okay. Hang tight. We'll get we'll get to that in a second. Also joining us down in the dungeon, Grognak. What up? Good evening. <laughs> hey, I, I heard that's why dogs like to lick humans. Because you got bones inside you. That's right, because they got bones inside you and they want to get them. That's right. Dogs love bones. Why do dogs love bones? I mean, is it just a is it just a chewing thing? Do all dogs have an oral fixation? Probably. So weird. What if it's the bone marrow? I mean, yeah, what, they're just trying to get, they know the marrow is delicious and they know what's in there and they're just going to get to it eventually. Yeah. I mean, it is, bone marrow is delicious. Have you ever guys ever had bone marrow? Not as much, not as many times as I've wanted to, but yeah, it's good. It's so good. Yeah. There's this place in, um, in Berkeley that you said they had this, uh, they would split a bone long way and then roast the marrow oh, with like garlic butter on it. Well, actually, it's just garlic. I think the marrow itself is butter. But, oh, my God, I'm so hungry right now. Why did you say that? I am, too. I know, but I already ate, too, and I'm like, I'm I'm full, but, like, my stomach's like, nah, you can stick, like, two or three of those in here. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of food, uh, sorry, Vulgar, but that's what we do here. We talk about food a little bit, too. He was saying earlier today that we were talking about something on one of the shows that he was listening to, and it was really bothering him because it was making him hungry. Did we talk about food recently? I don't remember. Yeah, in the last Nationalist Inquirer, um, talking about like your having your own chickens, eggs, and all all that stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. I guess having your own chickens will make you hungry. You know what else is cool about having your own chickens is you always have tendies. I mean, you know, two at a time, but yeah. Because <laughs> there's you know there's only two tenders in a chicken. You guys knew that, right? Yes. Not with, not with that attitude. Well, I mean, no. You just you mush them up and make tendies. Well, you can do like you can do like Canes does, and like they make or, or all these other places they make uh, they make the entire breast right. They slice it up, so it's not, yeah, they make chicken pudding. Chicken pudding. That's so nasty. Yeah. <laughs> that's how they make uh, chicken might, nuggets. You you might be eating that one day. <laughs> that's how they make chicken nuggets. Okay. Those two words put together was uh, offensive to my soul. Chicken pudding. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> Better than spoiled turkey, dude. Spoiled turkey? Yeah. I mean, neither of them. Is a dish? Nah, I hope not. Uh, neither of them sound appetizing. We'll find out next month. It's, all, it's uh, November for Thanksgiving. Just, yeah. Well, I guess spoiled turkey usually shows up around December, right? Yeah. <laughs> Roughly. Is that, yeah. is that like rotten pumpkins on November 1st? Well, not usually, well, yeah. Well, pumpkins aren't quite like avocados. They usually last like a week once you cut them. Avocados, like you cut them, you have about fifteen seconds to get in there before it starts turning brown. 
Oh, you don't carve jack-o'-lanterns like on Halloween? That's what we do. Ours are not rotting on the first. Okay. You um, guys we always did like a week before. You do them early? Yeah, we used to do ours a week early. When we had like neighbors and stuff, but now that we're like in the woods, we just do them for ourselves. Mm. Right on. Now the pumpkins are like $10 a piece. You gotta like <laughs> make a big deal out of them. That's why you gotta grow them yourself. That yeah. is a fact. I just shook my head Facts. and tossed my glasses across my desk. How is that physically possible? You did what, meow? I shook my head, and my glasses just launched themselves off my head and to the other side of the desk where I have no idea where they went. Nice. That string I set up earlier. I mean, um, <laughs> yes, there they are. I got them. But that was weird. Just get I a like strap what? on them like an evil, like an evil scientist character. <laughs> um, no, get one of those just ridiculous southern southern dude sports straps. Oh, like so a, then you like, can like, so like, then you can turn them around like the basketball player guy with the yeah. Mm-hmm. Get one of the ping pong ball uh, strings so that way it just like comes right back to you. Oh yeah, right. This, it looks cooler. Yeah, right. <laughs> you pull them off right back to your head. You yeah, know, I'm good. I'm good. I usually don't. I don't know what happened. I got like one of those chills. Like we're all for no reason. It's all of a sudden like your back's like clench. Yeah. And my head oh, snapped yeah. over and my glasses flew off. That was just weird. Anyhow. Happy spoop month, guys. It's October. It's finally October. I know. Now I have an excuse to eat candy. No. Um Time to get the Christmas stuff out. That's wait a minute. What are you, Home Depot? <laughs> Delete this. Delete, I actually yes. just passed a home uh, on the way home from work today, and they already had all their Christmas stuff set up. I'm talking like <sighs> an acre of land covered in Christmas stuff. Christmas stuff? You would think, okay, if they have that much Christmas stuff, they should probably do Halloween too. Like, don't be. I'm, I'm thinking they just leave it out all year. Was it there the other day when you drove by? Uh, I it was. It, I haven't driven by this house in a while, and I I didn't pay attention the last time I drove by. But I feel like I would have seen it. Yeah, you probably would have seen if there was a bunch of Christmas stuff. I drove by. I drive by uh, these houses. It's one of those um, used to not be a main road, but now it's a main road, and I feel sorry for the people that live there because everybody's zipping by at like fifty. Um, there's two houses and they're clearly in competition, right? For like who has the most decked out yard. And I'll take pictures. I'll, I'll take pictures next week when I drive by. Um, and it's bad. I mean, full on inflatables and like skeletons and guys hanging from trees and cemetery stuff, you know, headstones and a dead guy coming out of the ground and. All the things, ghosts hanging from bushes and lights, projectors. It was dark this morning when we were driving by at six thirty. So, uh, yeah, more probably more between the two of them. Take probably, a lot of juice, dude, huh? Oh. Well, I mean, I didn't think we were going to name them this early in the show, Grognak. But yeah, I'm sure there's. Uh, <laughs> Like no juice. juice. Oh, electricity. Oh, electricity. Yes, yes. I'm joking. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> um, yeah, we're wheezing the juice right now. But uh, 
I'm assu- I'm assuming that stuff takes a lot of electricity because I mean it's, there's, there's a lot of lights, but it's LEDs now, bro. Everything's like you know microwatts and stuff. Yeah, but they keep all those inflatables going and stuff. The inflatables, yeah, they do draw. We had um, like you know, like I said, because we live out in the middle of nowhere, like you know, we just kind of decorate for ourselves. And um, my son wanted an inflatable. I was like, I don't want a stupid inflatable in the yard. So he bought himself because he loves Halloween, and he bought himself the uh, Oogie Boogie <laughs> desk inflatable <laughs> for his desk. So nice, yeah, Nightmare Before Christmas. That's that's a good Halloween movie. And I a mean, good Christmas movie. I mean, it's Disney, right? But it's it's Tim Burton. So, is it really Disney? Yeah, it was. <clears throat> it was a far departure from the norm for Disney, right? And it, like I said, it's so. Tim Burton. So, and of course, we're gonna get Rees in the comments and stuff about you guys are watching this. There's definitely pedo stuff in there. <laughs> You know, you know, you can't draw a swirl. It's like Dogbot says about like p- people taking photographs with your hands in any position whatsoever. Right, right. If you draw any squiggly line in art anywhere, it's a pedo sign. No, it's true, and they've gotten people to that point. Yeah, right. But do you honestly think that all over Disney, where they have that little squiggly thing, like on Moana, right? That's like one of the main motifs of Moana. Are they really? Is that really the pedophile symbol? Or are we just well, like, are we doing that? Um, what's the thing where you see patterns? Folks are called again. Pareidolia. Well, that, Pareidolia, yeah. that thing with the patterns and in, in things, that was put out by the FBI and CAA or whatever. Like, Par- that can easily just be pissed on breadcrumbs. Oh, pareidolia? Yeah, I believe pareidolia is pissed on breadcrumbs. That you're see thing. No, I think that is something that people actually do, but to call it pareidolia is like, is, you know what I mean? Is like retconning a real thing. Well, and and remember too, like the, especially like the the swirl, you know, boy love whatever. Blah, ugh, I hate saying that. Yeah, yeah. It's a triangle swirl. It's not literally every single swirl pattern that you see across the entirety of history in the world. And even a triangle <laughs> swirl pattern, it has a specific. Anyways, I'm not trying to justify Disney stuff, but what I am saying right. is, like, you know, there's not a there's not an evil pedo behind every blade of grass, right? There's not a Jew behind every blade of grass. They're only 2% of the population. I like Tim Burton. I love Tim Burton. I love his stuff, dude. It's it's weird and crazy and, you know, I like it. I mean, I hate his wife, but, like, I like his art. Why don't you like, why don't you like, why don't you like his wife? Helena Bodum Carter. Yeah. They haven't been together for, like, oh 10 years. Yeah, I know. They've been divorced for a while, dude. I don't keep track of that shit. Oh, okay. Why, who is he married to now? Probably nobody. I have no idea. I don't, know. Well, I don't know. What so what what don't you like about Helena Bonham Carter? Oh, she's just like the most horribly annoying Yanta ever to be on on in the movies. I don't know. Is she Jewish? Carter is Jewish? <laughs> yeah, I'm like I'm very sure she is. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to check. Somebody's gonna have to check. Somebody look that up. Is Helena Bonham Carter now. a Jew? Yeah, do that. I don't I don't because I don't know. I don't know. She could be. She I mean she there's probably a good chance she is. I'm not saying like I'm not trying to defend her, but I'm like... Oh, here it is. Her mother, Elena... Oh, boy. Nay, proper de Callejon, okay. is a psychotherapist who is of Spanish and mostly Jewish background. Oh, there we go. Okay. And a psychotherapist to boot. Oh, boy. I know. Yeah. Oh, that couldn't have been more perfect. <laughs> For her? 
As yeah, as like with the roles that she plays and stuff. Yeah, it makes sense. Oh yeah, as a psychotherapist, it does. Oh yeah, and, I, I mean, it. I'm I'm not a Harry Potter fan by any means, but I know she played an an, an incredibly insane character in that. Her character in Sweeney Todd. Um, you know, she's Fight Club. Fight Club. Yeah, she's good at playing insane roles. Right. Maybe. She was Skynet in Terminator. Terminator Salvation. They gave her like the face of Skynet. She's in oh, all kinds funny. of shit. Huh, I didn't know she was in that. Yep. Interesting. Yeah, but anyways. So yeah, she's, yeah, she's a Jew. Um, what a surprise. Tim Burton definitely promotes cannibalism a lot. That's a that's for sure. Even like his Batman movie had like penguin biting a dude's nose off. <laughs> yeah, but that wasn't cannibalism. That's like that's just fighting dirty. Angry little, yeah, angry little penguin guy. Yeah. That's um, Danny DeVito it. probably wanted to do that. Yeah, he didn't eat it. No, that was probably a DeVito. Again, that was probably Danny DeVito. And then I offer him an egg. I, <laughs> yeah. I offer you an egg in this <laughs> trying time. time of, of, you literally <laughs> just bit my nose yes. off. In this trying time of losing your nose. Yes. <laughs> but at least I gave you an egg. Right. Danny DeVito, I could one hundred, I could one hundred percent see being a cannibal. After seeing, I don't know how many seasons of It's Always Sunny with him on there, I, I, I refuse to believe that he is absolutely nothing like Frank. Well, one of my favorite movies from Tim Burton is um, Wish the the Little Wishbone Dog, Frank and Weedy. You see that? Oh yeah, like I, re- one. I remember when when the live action short film was like a special feature on Nightmare Before Christmas DVD. Mm. Yeah, I used to go to the movie store, the Man. local movie store. Remember get DVDs? It, like every Halloween. Remember DVDs? Oh, I used to rent it on VHS. I am joking. Remember VHS tapes? Holy cow! Man, it's oh, we're old if we remember this stuff at this point, right? Jeez. Yeah. Anyhow, Frankenweenie. I don't. I don't think I saw Frankenweenie. I don't. My kid probably did. I don't remember Frankenweenie. It was a kid goes Victor Frankenstein on his dead dog. Oh, okay. Yes, I do remember now. Yes, yes. Yeah, it wasn't my favorite. I, I like a lot of kids' movies. Like I'll, I'll watch them, you know, with with the kids and whatever. But um, not particularly. Not particularly a big fan of um, of that one. It wasn't it wasn't great. It was okay. I remember being okay. It's got one of the sticky bandits in it, Marv. Oh, that's right, Marv. That's that's, that's, that's the dad. And then Daniel Olive Stern. is the yeah Daniel Stern. He plays the, a good the, dad. Yeah, yeah. Olive is the mom, the girl, the wife from um, Wendy from The Shining. The big teeth. Yeah. Well. Well. Let's jump. What's y'all's favorite Frankenstein movie? What's my favorite Frankenstein movie? Yeah, let's just get right into it. Oh man, what was the one? Um, what was the one with the kids? And Wolfman's got Nards. Ready to kick Wolfman in the Nards? Oh yeah, that's um, Hocus Pocus. Monster. No. Uh, it's not what's Hocus called? Pocus. What's wrong with you, Johnny? I almost said Monster Fest. It's not <laughs> Monster Fest. Oh. Reinhardt, you know this one? Uh, no, I, uh, I actually don't. I've not seen that many Frankenstein films. I mean, I, I know 
the obvious ones. Um, there's a movie called Wolfman's Got Nards. <laughs> oh, I was just gonna say that. That's an awesome fucking. Okay, so movie. the movie. Okay, so it's actually Monster Squad Part Two. So it's mo- it's yeah, it's the Monster That's Squad. It. it was a Monster Squad. It's a documentary called Monster Wolfman's Squad. Got Nards. Okay, it details the making of the Monster Squad. And how the film became a cult phenomenon. Okay, so that's hilarious. Okay, <laughs> I well, if love... you guys haven't seen that, that, that's funny. What Monster Squad? Oh yeah, that's what we're talking about. Monster Squad. Yeah, that's right, got, right. But they haven't got... seen it. Jack, you haven't seen it either. Nah. Yeah, that's that's one for October. Monster Squad, dude. You guys have never seen Putting that? it on the list. Now you have homework to do, guys. Yeah, you guys yeah, got to watch it. it. Yeah, it's a 1987 movie, so it's definitely good. It's an 80s movie. Um, literally nobody in the movie became famous, so there you go. I mean, I look at the guys as grown ups. I'm like, yeah, I don't recognize any of them. But yeah, 87. Literally whomstiv. <laughs> an entire cast of literally whomstivs. Whomstivs. Um. Yeah, dude, it's 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 great. It's it's funny. It's an '80s, you know, uh, an '80s kind of cheesy. Uh, it was it. Well, it was at first. It was a cartoon, I think, or it was a TV show. It was a TV show on Saturdays in the '70s, and then that's what I remember. Anyway, oh, you was, guys got all the cool things back then. Oh, dude, we had all the best stuff, man. It was like before everything was gay and queer and queered up and gayed up and you know everything was trans dude even johnny bravo like you can't even go back that far to like the original cartoon network stuff right you can't you you can't play that stuff now is johnny bravo even on boomerang i don't know i haven't seen it well boomerang doesn't really exist anymore it got absorbed by hbo max i think oh did it I thought yeah, the ring was still a thing. Hmm. I'm seeing it for where to watch when I looked it up was just YouTube, Google Play Movies, and Amazon Prime. What, Johnny Bravo? Yeah. Yeah. Amazon Prime has a lot. Amazon Prime has a lot of the older stuff, I've noticed. Um, they used to have, yeah, they have a boomerang like official deal on, on uh on YouTube, I think. Not YouTube, on uh, Amazon. But, man, the cartoons we got back then, man, there was, like, all kinds of cool stuff. We had, you know, we had the Super Friends, and we had all the all the Hanna-Barbera stuff. We had uh, Dungeons and Dragons. We had Thundercats. We had the Transformers. We had, man, all kinds of good stuff growing up. All the Looney Tunes. <laughs> Yeah, we did have we did have a pretty cool childhood. Unfortunately, all that stuff is gone now. It sucks. Must be nice. Yeah. So was Frankenstein popular when you were little, Johnny? Frankenstein like- was a popular Halloween costume, I remember, uh, because people would I remember people liked um what is the Adams family TV show? Not the Adams family. Which one had the monsters? The monsters. The monsters. Yes. Oh, I the used monsters. To watch that yes. Every, yes. every Herman Munster. Sunday dinner. Yes. Herman Munster. Yep. Yep. 
No, I always found that kind of funny. He was a Frankenstein. She was a vampire. Their kid's a werewolf. You do the math on that. I mean, it should have been a, like a, a Frankenpire or a Vampenstein or something, right? But yeah, no. they never quite under, they never quite explained that one. It was it was right. one of those just don't think about it. All right, well, just enjoy the show. Right. And whose father was Grandpa? Was I mean, obviously it was uh, the wife's, right? I mean, right. Oh, what was her name? Um. Oh shit. Herman and Eddie Munster were the boys, and Grandpa, obviously. Uh, Am I crazy, or am I remembering Lily? Her name was Lily. Lily, Yes, Lily. Lily, That's right. That's right. Yeah, and oh, oh, well, obviously, obviously, Grandpa was 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 Count Dracula. Like that was the deal. That was the that was like uh, they never actually said that. But he was actually Count Dracula. That was the whole point of him. So. Wasn't he in Gremlins too? Al Lewis or, as, Gram- or Grandpa? Al Lewis as Grandpa. <laughs> he was like in the he was like in the TV studio in Gremlins. Maybe I don't remember in Gremlins too, dude. That's like pushing it yeah. from like movie memory for me, man. Like I'm lucky to remember. Hey, like, I didn't. Bright light, bright light. I didn't say Tremors six. What? I thought they I only made like Tremors six. I, I thought they no. only made like three Tremors. <laughs> no. Oh no! Hey, there's no. three Tremors that everyone's aware of, and then all of a sudden you're in the depths of I don't know Amazon Prime or something or other, and you're like, wait, there's like twelve of these. Why? What? what? Is Michael Gross in them all? I don't think so. No. Oh. I know that would have at least made it kind of worth it. Right. I mean, at least yeah, Kevin Bacon is an only one, right? I mean, that one had, that was the all-star cast. You had Reba McIntyre, Kevin Bacon, uh, Michael Gross, the monsters, right? Had it all. I mean, that was, dude, what a great concept for a movie. Okay, we don't have much money. We're just going to shoot on top of this old store for like 90% of the movie. And it worked. Yeah, it was a good movie. <laughs> I love dude, Tremors. Tremors is one of my one of my favorites. Like, just a fun movie. It's great. Um, you know, of course, you have the girl boss theme, obviously. Yeah. Once again, it's one of those like of eh, all things to have. Right. Why do they always got to have the tough chick in the movies? Right. In Frankenstein movies, there's never tough chicks. No. No. So, like, okay. So I we mean, went they- from. I'm sorry, Reinhardt. Go ahead. I was gonna say the main the main female in Frankenstein, like she ends up dying. She's she's a damsel in distress. She just oh, in, cuts you out. Mean, you mean in in uh, the Frankenstein, the original Frankenstein, right? Like in the original uh, Aramaic Frankenstein. Oh. No, <laughs> or was I'm it talking about the ori- the original that was written by Percy? I mean Mary Shelley, right? Well, oh, that's right. There was a book. A woman wrote a book. Good Lord. You didn't. Well, read a it, woman you? told a scary story and then decided, hey, this would be a great book. Oh, that's right. That's right. A woman told a scary story. Yeah. Okay. Would she read her credit card bill off? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> By the way, did you guys know that women were not allowed to have credit cards until 1977 because they were deemed financially un, uh, unstable at that point and not, fi- not oh. fiscally responsible to handle credit? 
Well, that's when we entered entered the end times. Jeez. Right. It was nineteen seventy seven. It wasn't two. It wasn't nine eleven two thousand one. Um, that's just what the simulation wants you to think. No, yeah, nineteen seventy seven. And and now, now, um, women own three thousand times the amount of credit card debt than men. That's not surprising whatsoever. Now, to be fair, men were only allowed to have credit cards since nineteen fifty two. So it's only 25 years that men were allowed. Men had a 25-year head start, and they still are 3,000 times less in credit card debt than women. Oof. Yeah. That's an interesting statistic. Found that out the other day and was like, wow, I must tell. Like I do every morning where I say good morning to literally all the chats, uh, I had to tell everybody this thing because, once again, dudes rock. So. Once again, I regret to inform you that women. women. Yes. Gentlemen, it is a great sadness that I must once again inform you that women. <laughs> it's so true. But anyways, um, how did I get on that little aside? Um, Mary Shelley. Mary Shelley. That's right. Mary Shelley. So uh, she told a scary story. Now, what do you mean she told a scary story? Like she was at dinner one night and was just like, hey, Check this out. And she's like, what if this monster was created by a scientist using electricity? Is that what she said? Well, so Mary in, I think it was like 1815, 1816, uh, she and her friends gathered in, of all places, Geneva, Switzerland. Wait a second. Believe it. Oh, God. Wait a second. Not Geneva. Listen, listen. Oh, it's the eternal Swiss. Of course it is Reinhardt. Sure. Whatever. You'll never name the Jew. I'm just saying. Um, it's they all, vacationed yeah. in Geneva. Mm. Oh, and they, they vacationed all, there. Mm. They vacationed there. Mm. Yes. Because mm. Shelley was not Swiss. Right. But rich. Um, he was rich, though. <clears throat> yes, very rich. And that's still where the rich would always go. Hmm. Funny how that works. But they they essentially created a writing contest between each other. And Hold like, on. Who between can, who? who? Her, and uh, her, her and her husband? No, it was her and a gathering of friends. Oh, so, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, let me let me find the specifics on it. Hang on. So, okay, so the person we're talking about is Mary Wollstonecraft Godwin, or excuse me, Mary Wollstonecraft Shelley, nay Godwin. Um, good lord, man. She wrote, yeah, she wrote Frankenstein or the Modern Prometheus. In 1818, um, she, yeah, her parents, this woman's parents are very well off. Uh, her mother, oh, her mother was a pre-suffragette because, of course, a women's right advocate, Mary Wollstonecraft. Of course. Mm. And of course, being a women's right advocate, she died 11 days after giving birth to Mary. <laughs> <laughs> LOL. LOL. Men winning once again. Men just, so guys, just stay winning. What? Sorry, what? Go ahead. Before we get too far away from um, publication date and all that with Mary Shelley, mm-hmm. she was 19 when this was published. Okay. Like, if any of our listeners are familiar with Frankenstein, you, you think that's a 19-year-old girl 
who wrote that book. Like, there's no, there's no way. Well, I couldn't stop thinking that the whole time I was listening to the audiobook. Yeah. How long does the audiobook right. take? This person who wrote the book is so well traveled. They know, like, they write like they are a professor. Okay, but of some sort. So, but, but Grognet, you know I mean? how like, long? This how, is not a nineteen-year-old girl's book. How long like, did the book take is, you to, that's to listen laughable. to? That's like saying um, that the deaf and blind can write a bunch of books. And Johnny, this book, all. this book is like 23, 24 chapters. Okay. If that gives you. No, any I know. Indication. I know. I've read it. Like, how long did it take to read out loud? Like, how you know? I mean, how long was it? Was the audio book? I was about to say, I can only tell how long a book is. Like, it's like, okay, how long is the audiobook? Because that's how long it takes me. Right. That's what I'm saying. Grognak, how yeah. long was the audiobook? <laughs> Oop, I got cut out. But um, it was about seven hours. Okay. Seven hours. Okay. So, yeah. And, so, and, and this story woman, of it- this 19 year old girl. Now, wait a second, guys, Reinhardt. And I didn't mean to disinclude you from the guys thing because you are a guy. And you know, but uh, <laughs> I was specifically pointing you out because you were like, "Does this sound like a nineteen-year-old?" What, dude? This is eighteen fifteen. You guys, okay? This is not your modern day of girls on TikTok and having been exposed to everything that Mary Wollstonecraft's mother wanted to expose them to because feminism. No, this was a woman who probably lived through the reset. <laughs> Late in the early eighteen. Oh no, wait a minute. This is the eighteen hundreds. No, the, she probably wasn't a reset person, huh? Never She's mind. She's probably post post reset. Uh well, and, in between, maybe in between, right? In, what? in between, because with the industrial revolution and the romanticism movement, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. that would be an in between kind of thing. Yeah, she'd be in between. So, but I mean, dude, you never know, man. She might have been exposed to uh, the great works of of literature when she was in, you know, in vitro or in in in, in utero. Excuse me, to quote Nirvana. Um, <laughs> but so. So, dude, I don't, I don't buy that. I don't buy a nineteen-year-old chick wrote this fucking book. It's ridiculous. Well, I, I've read Frankenstein. There's no way. And yeah, here's why you you'll shouldn't. say is Helen Keller's real, right? Yeah. Well, here's why why you also shouldn't buy it. Some of the people that were included in this vacation were her husband uh, Percy Shelley, who was very, very famous um, on both sides of the coin. Romanticist poet wrote Ozymandias and several other poems. Um, also, Lord Byron, who's another romanticism poet. Lord and Byron. Lord Byron it, yeah, well, I mean, go ahead. No, you finish what you're going to say. Well, Lord Byron, who's George Byron, right. um, at this time had so many connections throughout English society and the, the entire empire. Um, these, these two guys were so well traveled and so well connected. Um, and it, Lord Byron wrote Don Juan. Mm hmm. So she's sitting in a room with these people, and she just says, "Oh yeah, we have, we, we had the bright idea to see uh, who could write the best ghost story because it's been raining a lot this summer." Okay, Lord Byron died at age thirty-four. Yeah, uh, and he in eighteen twenty-four, he, um, yeah, that's, he's a very odd life. I mean, immensely, uh. Like he's he wrote a lot of you know he didn't he basically like head up romanticism he's like basically like he carried romanticism on his back like like Atlas he, carried he the was, world right yeah a massive yeah. progenitor of yeah. that movement which so, 
but he was a um I mean he wasn't from an aristocratic family. He was very wealthy, right? But however, he suffered from a fucking club foot. What the hell is a club foot? I always hear this. I never actually looked it up because I I was always kind of scared to know what it looked like. What is a club foot? Do you guys know? Uh, if I remember correctly, it's like you're born and your feet are like turned really oddly like inwards or outwards or some shit like that. And it's yeah, it's really kind of oh, fucked. Okay. So what I'm basically, thinking of. Yeah. okay. So I can see why Lord Byron would be an inspiration for Frankenstein by based on his feet and the way he walked probably. Possibly, you yeah. know. No, I mean, think about it. I mean, like, you know, because the story. I mean, if we're if we're suspending our disbelief and believing that Mary Wollstonecraft Shelley wrote that at nineteen while uh, coming up with a story over, you know, hanging out with Lord Byron, right? I mean, that's it's just ridiculous. Yeah, who else? Who else was there? And just just that, just that, just. Her husband and Lord Byron together, uh, like you said, her husband had all kinds of connections. Being connected to Lord Byron was like, I mean, I don't know. How would you equate that in like modern times? Like if you're you're friends with Puffy, if you're a rapper, (laughs) right? But less gay. I don't know. Was it was it gayer back then or was it gayer now? Um. I mean, there were rumors about Lord Byron and Percy Shelley. Right. That's what I'm saying. That's that's why I they asked used to that. do opium together. Right. That's why I asked that Reinhardt. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um. Gosh, there's John uh, John Polidori. Uh, right. So another famous writer. You know, that's the thing. Is like I don't. Yeah. And and 19 year old Mary Wollstonecraft Shelley. Right, and a few fe- and a few females. Sure, obviously, well. like she arrived with the girls first, and then the guys came. Right, obvi- right, obviously, but then, but I mean, she obviously that's how that's how they did it back then. The women went with the girls, and the girls traveled together, and then the men came afterwards after fox hunting and drinking or something. After they were, know. yeah, finished brooding over a bottle of um, uh, absinthe on the sea. <laughs> right, whatever. Right, but so the women, yeah. So this nineteen-year-old, and again. Johnny, you don't understand. These people back then, they were grown at nine. What? No. Like <laughs> no, they were they weren't like physically maybe they might, you know, you were physically mature at you're not even physically mature though at 18 really. I mean, now where they were in the 60s though, boy, weren't they? You guys see that video of the uh American um athletic stuff, just high school kids, guys doing the doing the stuff in gym class and everybody's just shredded. Right. I don't know. Because yeah, all, that, from all that T levels that they had back then. Right. To now. But here's the thing. Looking at paintings and of, uh, you know, what we would consider selfies nowadays, right? Um, no, the paintings of, of all the people back in the 1700s, 1800s, none of them, they all seem soft, right? Their faces, they all seem kind of soft. None of them seem like rugged. Yeah, you know. Um, but you know, and then you have in, in the 1960s all these tough American kids, and now we're all soft and fat again. But the portrait. This stuff, is an interesting thing you brought up. What? Which which you, thing? Sorry, I couple, no, I brought up a couple you, things. Which thing? um, with the, like the stature of of people because. Mm. One of the things with Frankenstein is 
his creation, which is a homunculus, by the way, in the book, it's not a dead cadaver brought back to life. It says he created it. It's, it's big. He made a huge hulking monster, basically monstrosity. It's kind of interesting. He decided to make something huge without knowing if he could control it. Yeah. Where was, well, like with architecture, where's the buildup? Did he build a bunch of small monsters first? You know, or did he just like Henry? It was Henry Frankenstein, right? Victor. Victor? Where the Victor. fuck did I get Henry from? <laughs> he was he was from Germany. Spent spent most of his time in the city of Ingolstadt, if I remember correctly. Yeah, for some Henry's reason, the guy who's writing the letters to his sister. Okay, that's yes. where I'm getting Henry from. Thank you. Uh, it's been a long time since I read the book, so. And there is another character in there named Henry. It was a Henry Clerval, I believe. Who? Yeah, no. Henry Clerval is is another character. In, no, he in played the Superman. Story. <laughs> no, he played Geralt of Rivia. <laughs> right, right. Yes. See, and you actually played along this time, Rahir. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> You're get, finally four years into being on the show. I'm just kidding. Well, sometimes it takes a while. I'm just kidding, dude. It's all good. Um, yeah. So these these very wealthy, you know, socialites all get together, and this 19 year old comes up with a story that she decides to put down on paper to become one of the most famous uh, works of literature of all time, and probably one of the progenitors of what they would consider science fiction. Right. Well, and the whole thing was to write a short story. Um, so she did put pen to paper originally. Now, okay, implying she, uh, but the the story goes that <laughs> Percy Shelley. I've seen the pictures. Percy is the one that convinced her to expand it into a whole book, which is where you get the the authorship issue, mm. because we know that Percy edited parts of the book, probably the entire thing, and there was a republishing like 15 years later, I think it was like 1830, 1831, um, that was published specifically by Percy. Hmm. Weird. Yeah. So, I I don't believe she wrote it. I definitely do I, not. I, I don't. I don't. I don't know why the secrecy, though. Um, I really don't. Maybe because it wasn't Percy's wheelhouse. I mean, he was doing at this time. He was doing things like Ozymandias, Ode to the West Wind. Um, so he, right. here's my guess on that because I thought about that. Um, when we were watching some of the Awarnon videos a while back, he mentioned that Heidi, the like very well known book, was actually found in some dude's like closet or something a long time later after the original was published. Mm. As in, like there was an old world copy. And he basically just like had it and rewrote it and put his name on it. So what if the controversy behind Mary and Percy is just to mask the fact that Percy put out a book that was basically an old world book? That's that's highly mm. likely, actually, in my opinion. Now, here's the thing about Mary that's Shelley is she put out quite a few novels, right? I mean, Valperga, Perkin Warbeck, uh, The Last Man, which was an apocalyptic novel. And then... Uh, Faulkner in 37. Oh, wait. And then before that, Lador in 35. But she wrote, and she wrote stuff in 1944. She wrote Rambles in Germany and Italy. And uh, she wrote 
for Dionysus Lardner's Cabinet Cyclopedia in eighteen like eighteen thirty to eighteen forty six. So, I mean, she did write. She was quite a prolific writer. I mean, in her life, and if if she wrote all that stuff too, right? I mean, let's you know, implying right, but. I mean, if you go into Barnes and Noble, women do be writing lots of books. They got a lot of words up in them heads. Yeah, they're usually like the LGBTQ Bible or... Well, I'm just saying. I mean, aside from... Right, aside yeah, from like I, what I most... Right, but a lot of books are written by women in general. Well, that's, oh, yeah. that's because they have nothing important to do because people who are actually doing important things don't have time to actually write books. Right. That's facts because I've been saying that for like a decade now. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I should write. Writing books is retarded. I should write. Her her apocalypse write stuff for like ten years, (laughs) dude. Her apocalypse book is about a uh, rise of a bubonic plague pandemic that rapidly sweeps across the globe. That's right. That's right. I forgot to look at that one in more detail. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, it it it's uh, the British state dissolves. It's not no longer a republic. Um. But then what yeah. happened in the stand also? Yes, the government fell apart, yeah. Um Mary Shelley was actually sat in meetings in the House of Commons and uh to figure out the governmental system of the Romantic era so she could write her novel even better. So like, hey man, maybe you know, maybe she did write Frankenstein. Yeah, probably the gay. You part. know, one thing one thing I just found interesting about what? Percy Shelley that I I knew the general area of where he died, mm-hmm. but he died right off the coast of Sardinia, the island of the giants. I, that's right, island. Yeah, so many giants and things in Sardinia. Man, that makes me mad that Paul Cook wouldn't come on after because we were going to talk about Sardinia oh, and giants. He got spooked. He got spooked because fucking faking space was fucking with everybody. I hate that guy. Yeah. He's doing the, uh, you know, um, if you only had, you know, another run who's as smart as me, you know, I'm getting the fuck off of Telegram. You guys, I'll see you later after you figure out all your shite or whatever. I don't even know how he fucking talks, but you know what I mean? He He sounds like he'd be a scouse man. A scouse man? Yeah, from Liverpool. Oh. Ghetto. Like a Northerner? Uh, yeah, the the wrong kind of Norfiner. Oh, all right. Come on, England, score some fucking goals. One of those. No, they sound they sound more like this. Oh. <laughs> oh Jesus! <laughs> Come on, England. Is that the women? Is that the women sound like that, or the guys sound like that? No, that's the men. <laughs> really? Sound like some kids in the hall, <laughs> right? Yeah, it does sound like some Canadians trying to do some English I've, accents. I've got some some buddies from Manchester and a few and a few from Liverpool, and and they do sound like that. Do they really? Yeah. Oh man, you just their voices are annoying. You just. I was kind of hoping that you fucked up the impression, but I I guess not. Nope. 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 Um. So again, Mary Shelley. Mary Wollstonecamp, whatever the fuck her name is, right? Um, she published one of the first pieces of science fiction. And The Last Man is one of the very first pieces of dystopian fiction. Wow, crazy. 
She's just a fucking vanguard of. Oh man, fiction. let's let him vote. What's that? Let's let him vote. Let's let him vote, bro. Go ahead. Just let, let him vote. vote. Yeah, look at how good they write, bro. Let him vote. What 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 could possibly go wrong? <laughs> well, the first thing that went wrong is that you taught him how to read and write. Right. Teaching that's, anybody. How, hold on. True. Let's let's be fair. Let's be fair. Teaching anybody how to read and write. Well, yeah, you know, it's yeah. just the whole walk uh or crawl walk run sort of thing speak without speaking words were the first thing dude yeah well no i know it's just getting people on board with like literacy is retarded literacy is retarded and words are de- written words are demonic yes yes it's all spells mm-hmm. and that's not a joke like that's like for real so you know you shouldn't read or look at anything that has words on it good for yeah good luck good luck with that <laughs> Don't look at the demonic symbols. Yes, ever. It's like, <sighs> it's well, it's again, it's like, you know, don't eat the poison. Ha ha ha. It's literally in everything. And also generationally has been. Well, be right back. Uh, when I go to work on Tuesday, I'm going to weld without the helmet on. I'm just going to stare right at it. <sighs> Dude, you should. Then I won't have to see. You should. It's probably less bright than the sun recently like At, dude well yeah new sun yes it, it is definitely not sun like 3.0 i think the sun's changed a couple times in my lifetime i'm old so i think no. i uh, at least i remember i think i remember uh the tail end of when it was a nice comfy yellow sun yeah i remember comfy yellow sun Hmm. I miss comfy yellow. So I mean, you could lay out there and look at this, look at the clouds and the clouds look at that one looks like a hippo and that one that one looks like a car Sort of. Now it's just like this yeah. one looks like a line. That, that one, one looks, like, looks a pencil. like a line. Yeah, look at that one. Look at those lines. It looks like the Star of David. Ha ha ha. It's Jew clouds. Johnny. Ha ha ha. And I'm like, if you only knew. I think they replaced the old sun with or at least 2.0 sun on 9 11. That's my belief. I have no facts to back it up, but that is my belief. I, you know what? A lot of our beliefs are backed up by source. It came to me in a dream or source because i said so yeah Yeah, or in this case it came to me in a sleep deprived daydream (laughs) those are some of the best they are yeah they're always in color because you're awake exactly (laughs) i don't like when my dreams are in black and white all right let's get back to mary shelley i don't yeah if you have dreams in black and white and in color that's kind of cool but they should stay in color the black and white ones are always weird i've never had black and white no neither have i oh my god Dude, it's maybe it's not like it's black and white, but it's like it's dark, so everything's like that dark gray, like like night color. Uh, so it's, so like, it's not like grayscale. Yeah, so it's like grayscale. Yeah, so it's like when you get up in your house and the only light that's on is like you know, you got the red light from from the one charger on one side of the house. You got the other light from the one charger over there. A little green light from the DVD player, right, or whatever. Like, the, and those are the only lights on in the house. You don't see in color. When you when your eyes finally focus in the dark, you know you're not. I mean, you see. I guess you're seeing in color, but it's just fucking dark, right? Yeah, yeah. Everything is muted. I I have dreams like that. I don't have like I don't have like like I love Lucy black and white dreams. Okay, Okay. I was gonna say, how the hell did you achieve that? (laughs) No, that's not true. Because I have had like a flash type scene where like like it did like a Family Guy like flashed into my brain. And it was a black and white scene, but it wasn't. I wasn't in it. I just saw a like a black and white scene. Like I remembered a scene from a movie in a dream or something like that. It's, it's like a cut scene. Mm-hmm. It was like yeah, it was like a black and white cut scene in my dream, where like they were gonna wait for me to get to wherever it was I was supposed to be getting to in my dream. I don't know. Maybe I got up to pee and I put the dream on pause. And that was the pause screen. 
brain just needs some filler. Right. <laughs> but anyways, um, back to Mary Shelley. Good Lord. So she's she's a very prolific uh, progenitor of different types of fiction. Interesting. Like, so before we leave the topic of her book, mm. um, what do you guys think about the fact that the book is about a homunculus? Well, that's what you said. Uh, the general... Con- well, I don't know if you would call it consensus, but what I think the general thought of what the book is is because based on the movies and the media representation of Frankenstein um, was that it was from a dead cadaver, right? You raise the dead with electricity, right? That was the whole deal. In the movies, you always see like the lightning and the, you know, and, and Dr. Frankenstein's like yelling, ah, yes, 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 the lightning, ah. And he attaches the jumper cables to the dead guy's nipples or whatever, <laughs> whichever, <laughs> wherever it goes. One, I don't know, one of the nipples, one of the dick. I don't know, dude. I don't know how you jumpstart a dead body. Like, I mean, it's the paddles. I always see the paddles in the defibrillator. Speaking of which, you guys noticed in a large uptick in defibrillators around you publicly? Yes. Yeah. Job sites. Mm-hmm. Like, I, there would be like one a few years ago. They always I had work to make in a hospital. One. So. Now we have like three. Yeah you, yeah, you work in a hospital. So, like, there's like a lot. Wait, of, those aren't, those are complimentary, right? They better be. I have the elites 400. don't want you to know this. I was going to say. Ventilators in public that you see are free. I was going to say. take them home. I have 475. Yeah, I have 458. Yeah, I, I do. That's how I pay my electric bill. I, I just, I, what pay your electric bill? I just run everything off defibrillators. My house. I just, I just, I just put an air fryer on top of two defibrillators. They're just, they're charged when you get them. I mean, you know, you can use them like once. That's why you got to take some out of the box thinking the world needs. That's right. And then. When the batteries are dead, you take them to the ocean yes. and throw them in. Yes. You see? The electric eels will thank you. Absolutely. For that safe and legal thrill. Mm-hmm. That is what Victor did with the Bride of Frankenstein. Okay. When he like decided to like destroy it, he just dumped it in the ocean. Well, yes, he did. I mean, <laughs> and he just tossed well, that bitch off the cliff in the ocean. So. Yeah, and the the movies, uh, starting with the 1931 film, where mm-hmm. everybody gets, it's alive! It's alive! It's alive. Yes. Yeah, that, they, they gave the impression that, like, Victor Frankenstein was just robbing graves, stealing cadavers, taking body parts and putting them together, stitching them together. Um, but no, this was a homunculus situation in the original text. Right. And... No, homunculus is just animated, inanimated stuff. Or no, a homunculus is just life created from basically nothing, right? From from a seed. From a seed. Just the seed, usually. Okay, just the seed. Right. It it has no soul mm. because even even the people who wrote on homunculi or golems, which we'll get into later, um, they knew that they could not create a soul. So they were creating essentially what Archimedes called an automaton, hmm. which is just a servant that you in the ancient world would have programmed essentially. Um, however, this homunculus was intelligent. It learned intelligence. Right. So it wasn't the uh, Frankenstein's monster which is what it should appropriately be called, 
right? And even Hollywood messes that up, right? I mean, they they even like in you, in the cartoons and stuff, they always call the monster Frankenstein, right? And that's not correct. It's the it's the um it's the guy who created him. It's you know it's Doctor Frankenstein. But it's not the monster. Right. He's Frankenstein's monster. Frankenstein's monster. All right, I'll stop with that. Right, what is that from? Is that from? Um, that's from the Mel that's Brooks Dracula movie. Young Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein. That's Frankenstein. Frankenstein. That's right. Yeah. With like the stabs Jew- himself with the yeah. scalpel. The Jewiest cast. Every, I mean, every Mel Brooks movie was the Jewiest cast ever, but. And of course, when you go back and watch that movie too, you're like, "How the crap did my parents let me watch this?" Oh, don't get me started on the things that my that I was allowed to watch because I told you we got we got the first we got the first four se- seasons of Electric Company and the first four seasons of Sesame Street, right? And we put on the first episode, put on the first disc of Electric Company. And it was like five minutes into the show, I'm like, "What the hell was my parent, my mom letting me sit in front of the TV and watch? What the what is this?" Like psychedelic, flashy dancing with weird stuff and funk music, and I was like, I'm not watching this. And I put, and I put it in Sesame Street, and it was worse. <laughs> with but with monsters. Oh boy! Yeah, but the monsters were cool and good, and there was a Snuffleupagus. Like what? <laughs> like what? Even you look at it as an adult, and you're like, what even are we putting in our kids in front was, of? Yeah, I was never a Sesame Street kid. We. Uh, like, really? I never was. Like, I knew of it, and I, I had watched it, but it was never, like, on my top ten list. When I was when I was very young, uh, Sesame Street was... That was the television babysitter of choice. But it was only on at certain times of the day. You know, and it's not like now, where it's, like, on demand. Yeah. You know, so if I watched Sesame Street, it was because, you know, I was home or at my grandmother's house or whatever at whatever time it was on two thirty or whatever. Right. Anyway. So um, back to the, the yeah. homunculus created yes, the by homunculus Victor Frankenstein by a seed. Now in the book, how does he create his monster for those who haven't read the book? It's, it's kind of vague. It says he uses specific apertures and it doesn't get into detail as to what these tools are. Probably but he has like a kit. He has a he has a sweet kit. That's Probably really. yeah, because whoever wrote it was like, I don't I don't want to get this wrong, or I don't want to give away old world tech. Right. There's <laughs> yeah. there, those guys in Geneva were like, leave this part out. Uh. Yep. It's the um oh, it's the piano guy from the Under the Blue Lake or whatever it's called. The movie that where the guy that wrote every song ever. Oh yeah, the one Skull's always talking about. Um, but as but as Silver soon as he creates episode. it and and, and is horrified by, mm. you know, his creation, he runs away, and later on finds out he just abandons this thing, abandons his work, everything. Finds out that, um, you know, his his brother was killed. That uh, through the through the years, I I can't remember exactly how many, but through through the timeline of the book finds out that this monster has killed multiple people um, in out of confusion and loneliness and not knowing, like not understanding what's going on around him. And, and then he learns 
he yeah he, your classic labeling theory everyone calls him a monster so he becomes a monster right right oh that's the that's the yeah well isn't that well, for well, a long that, time is that the theory did that, did that come from the book is that the way the book goes he just decided well when people- he when he decides to strangle uh victor's young brother like in a cave because mm-hmm. the kid is like screaming and like i don't want to be your friend no mom mom he's like okay you're dead and he does it like consciously knowing this and he's like yeah. basically like if i can't even make friends with a little kid then fuck the world so it's kind of yeah it's got like a very he's like i'll just be the bad guy you all want me to be kind of thing well and then he and then he meets a, a family right he runs away and sees that there there's like this family in a cottage and he's watching them over time and he comes to like even learn english and comes to really enjoy watching them and watching over them and he tries to reveal himself and they are horrified by his appearance and he notices right. he looks in a river and he sees his his appearance and he's you know like no wonder people call me a monster um but he he puts in the effort but it never pays off continually so then he's like yeah i will become the monster and he goes to victor who is trying to escape to i don't know what is it the orkneys um, and you know, he he basically curses him. He's like, I I was supposed to be your greatest creation, and yet I am this monster. Give me a bride. Give me something, someone, a companion to be with, and I'll I'll run away. You'll never see us again. No one will ever see us again. Um, and if you don't do this, I will. What does he say? It's like I will I will kill your love. His best, I think that's his best friend or sister or something. He threatens to kill the rest of his family, basically. Essentially, I'll yeah. just be, I'll, I'll be your worst enemy if you don't do it. Yeah, give me GF or wow. I'll give you death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Donald Trump was supposed to do that for everybody. Remember that <laughs> Donald Trump got elected. Everybody gets girlfriends. Four yeah. Gov- would love this dude, right? Government mandated GFs. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, I mean, oh, that's I the remember. reason why. I mean that's the reason why why those those people still pay thirty bucks a month, right? Because when they take power, everybody's going to get state mandated GFs, right? Right, yeah. right. War yeah. war brides, right. state mandated war mandated. When? War you know, brides. you guys notice I said when they take anyway. Um, yeah, <laughs> when they, he when basically they get wants his war point one percent, yeah. right? Implying, anyways. <laughs> um, so yes, yeah, so he's that's the the whole scene where he's like. You know, make me a wife, or you know, I'm just gonna you know ruin your whole life because why did you even create me if I'm like this? And yeah, it's, it's a very emotional. Well, well you got to remember, this woman comes from philosopher parents, so she's obviously right. Well, and, well and read. Yeah, and you have to bring up you know the the part where he ends up reading a copy of Paradise Lost, reads John Milton's epic poem paradise lost which half of it is from satan's perspective which paints him as like a sympathetic villain a lonely sympathetic villain and the monster ends up identifying with this character right with lucifer of all of all beings (laughs) Um, well he's the monster and you know and now you know and, and lucifer's the bad guy 
Right. And, and Victor too, like there's emphasis placed on Victor's studies. Like he was, he was supposed to marry the woman that he, he does eventually marry and that Franken's his monster eventually kills um, for several years, but he throws himself into his studies and he wants to do what he did with his monster. He wants to create a new form of life. He's searching how to create a homunculus essentially. And the monster says, you know, I was supposed to be your Adam. Right. And if I'm not mistaken, Grognet, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm, I was supposed to be your Adam and now I will be your Lucifer. Something to that mm. effect. I can't really, I can't remember what he says. Um, basically, like, I was supposed to be your Adam, but I'm not even that because you just cast me aside, basically. Like, whereas Adam is at least, like, in the eyes of God, where he can't even have a. Basically, he has to chase Victor down into, like, the North Pole. Like, Victor's, like, after he loses his, you know, uh, wife that his parents purchased for him from a poor house when he was a child. It's like, like, I don't know, like incubator baby style. They, um, he ends up killing her because he doesn't make his bride. And then, so Victor's just like trying to flee to the edges of the earth and Frankenstein's still like basically lurking and haunting him and stuff like that. And Victor won't like, just have like a conversation with him. Won't talk to him. He's like, why won't you recognize me? Basically, nineteen-year-old girl wrote this. Right, right, right. And of course, Garden of Eden has fallen. Billions must die. <laughs> um. Yeah, this is just ridiculous story for uh one for one nineteen-year-old. But again, remember they didn't have regular school, so they you know they were able to spend. However long reading and philosophizing and learning all of this um, social interaction stuff and this these emotional interactions that these clearly grown people in these books are having, right? I mean, you know, there's she knows she knows enough to write about. Uh, the wedding and a honeymoon and deaths and uh, shootings. Like the deep, and, deep philosophy of right. like creating living beings and all this stuff. Right, 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 right. All that stuff. But, you know, like, you know, vengeance and guilt and all this stuff. Again, things that one 19-year-old would, you know, which, she, again, you know, she was aristocracy, so. Well, and she, and she framed the story, which I'm, I'm not an expert on this book. So I don't know which parts were added in later edited in. I don't know, but the framing story of the character of Walton and for, and Victor later on, like where, where all this starts. Cause it's, you know, years later and, and Victor's going up to the Arctic and he meets this guy who takes all this down. It's, it's kind of like a Moby Dick framing story, um, which she, she could have copied from that, but yeah. then she, she finds out at the very end or she writes at the very end that uh, Victor is dying. He tells the guy Walton, who's telling this entire story. Uh, mm-hmm. If you ever find the, the monster, kill him. He's dying essentially. And then he finds the monster mourning the body of Victor Frankenstein called itself a fallen angel. 
and then jumped into the ice to kill itself. So, like, all of this stuff, are you kidding me? A Even an, arist, an arist, aristocratic 19-year-old in this period, married to Percy Shelley, friends with guys like Lord Byron, William Butler, Yeats, mm. I mean, all of these people, I still can't see how, how she would have done this. This is, like Jack said earlier, I mentioned Helen Keller. This is a Helen Keller situation. Absolutely. In man. my opinion. 100%. I agree with that. This is a Helen Keller situation yeah there's no way a 19 year old i don't care how much more leisure time they had and how much more time how much more advanced they were as far as um you know um what would they call that jack from reading (laughs) (laughs) one might say that well no i mean remember but again, when when were women allowed to start reading back then? Like, you know, you got to remember. Did women mm. often back then spend a lot of time reading philosophy? Her mother was a philosopher, right? So, what about her mother? Well, she came. Yeah, she came from a liberal family to begin with. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they were probably allowing all kinds of stuff. Oof, libtards. I say libtards. Yeah. Fict- Victorian libtards. Victorian libtards. Look at her face. She's got glasses. She's not too. pretty. No. And look at those giant traps. Long ass neck. Guys. I know it's, it's a, a trap. I know it's a <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the big Admiral Act. I mean, look at the size of the forehead. That forehead is. That is nuts. a dude. I would get my money back for this freaking portrait. If I so were there is like, commissioning this, I would behead the person that made this portrait. <laughs> there is like a gay thing in this book too. So like um, the guy who is writing to his sister who has Victor on his ship, who's telling him his story about Frankenstein, he's like gay for Victor. Yeah. There's always you know what I've noticed. I forgot about it. I've noticed in a lot yeah. of a lot of like classic novels, there's always like a gay undertone of like some second layer or third layer character being in love secretly with one of the main characters who's gay. I mean who's not gay. Right. But you know what I mean? There's always always that a little bit, right? Well look what they were yeah. wearing, man. I mean <laughs> Tell me sodomy didn't exist in the 1800s. Yeah, I mean, I know it's... Okay, so Percy Shelley has more of a pointy chin (laughs) and a shorter neck and a much more forward hairline than Mary (laughs) Shelley. Shelley was his boyfriend, basically, right? Yeah, yeah, and Mary Shelley has a very dude-like forehead and a very masculine face and those giant traps. I am jealous of those traps, dude. People are like their shoulders are just sloping. No, those are traps, bro. Those are giant traps. Look at right if you if you enlarge the the picture, you can see the neck muscle. This dude, whoever painted this, painted the difference between the neck muscle and the trap. And like you can see where the neck the trapezius, you know, yeah, trapezius. You know what I'm talking about? You see it right there? That like that little dark spot. That's the yeah, that's a dude. Well, with with Percy too, he was so involved in the romanticist movement, which was filled with homosexuality it was all starving drug adult alcohol adult artists essentially trying to quote return with the v 
um, in response to the Industrial Revolution and you know, all the progress that was happening, especially in terms of like their that specific era was like Napoleonic era uh-huh. and post Napoleonic era. So they were they were degenerates, right? And again, were. oh, are we implying Napoleon's real? Uh, implying, implying, well, bold post- assumption, <laughs> and implying the French Revolution too, right? Uh, Instead of some sort res- of cleanup act, right? Which in official narrative resonated throughout all of Europe, and mm-hmm. Switzerland is right there as well. England is right there. Those ideals all spread, and I called, I always called as a as a teenager the. French Revolution, the Satanic Revolution, because it was just a a complete degeneracy plague. Oh yeah. Uh, so I I have no problem saying that Mary and Percy and all of these guys probably met up in Geneva for a gigantic, gross orgy situation, and this book just came. It didn't even have to come out of that. Percy could have written the entire thing and then just said, "Hey, put your name on it." Or we'll put your name on it. Or we all will put your name well, on but, it. Okay. Yeah. But what are you saying about the rest of her works then? Right? I mean, did she write anything? Or did Percy write all those other novels like The Last Man and all that stuff? Is writing actually work? This and more. <laughs> <laughs> well, Percy died 1822. So right. he, he died four years later. And his version, quote, version of the story was republished in 1831. Mary lived until 1851. Um, so she outlived him. So maybe she took some of his writings and put them out under his name. I don't know. I don't either. But I, I don't think that she wrote the entirety of this Frankenstein novel. I mean, I'm trying really hard not to be like, you know, because I know what 19-year-olds are like. I have four apprentices on this job that are 19 and under. So I know what 19-year-olds are. But those are 19-year-olds of today, right? Not 19-year-olds of 18. 18. (laughs) That's 205 years ago. Good it's Lord. a different strain of 19, bro. Right. It's a di- well, I mean, like I said, look at the people from 1960 and or those those 19 late 19 late 1960s. Cuz the Kennedy physical fitness thing was like 64 3, no, it wasn't late 1960s, the middle. 64 65 was when it started, something like that. So, well, and and look at this too. Percy Shelley was born in 1792, died and in 1822 at the mm-hmm. age of 29. Right. He was already on his second wife. Mary Shelley was his second wife. He married his first wife, Harriet, in 1811. How old was he? 1811, he would have been 19. She died in 1816, and then he married Mary Shelley later that same year. And they were only married for six years before he died. Well, he was seeing Mary uh, while he was married to the other chick. Right. Right. Mary Wollstonecraft, which is a German name, Wollstonecraft, right? I mean, sure, it's anglicized. 
But uh, yeah, I don't know. It all goes back to German pagan roots. <clears throat> right. Are any are any of them Jewish? I'm not sure you're going to find that. Let's like, see what Mary, Mary Wollstonecroft's. Uh, and her her family name is Godwin, and the Godwin family were very well connected throughout English history. And she may she may have had connections with Harold Godwinson. May have. That that is a complete speculation on a few people's parts. But if that's the case, she has a royal bloodline descendancy. If that is the case. I'm not mm. saying it is. Well, her mother is ridiculously has like a ridiculous story, life story. So, well, and Mary and Percy began. They were they were meeting each other like for secret trysts at her mother's grave, which is just right. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's yeah, that's how it goes, though, right? Well, you know, Reinhardt, those are, they're the elites, you know. Of the rich people. True. Very rich. Um, oh, you're still married? Why don't we meet at my mom's grave? Yeah. I'm 16. I know. You're, but it's okay. Yeah, and you're 19. No, he was 20. He was five years older. Oh, was he? Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So so he was 21 when his first wife died. Mm-hmm. And five years she earlier. She was 16. Yeah. Yeah. So he would have been, yeah, somewhere around 16, 17 when he got married. Oh, I thought he was 19 when he got married the first time. Imagine like 15-year-old kings and stuff like that. Well, that's what happened. Do that. And the thing is, 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 well, I mean, what's funny, well, okay, the thing is, when we think 15-year-olds, we see 15-year-olds all the time. I have have one, you know what I mean? So, but... Looking at fifteen-year-olds now and fifteen-year-olds two hundred years ago, let alone you know sixty, eighty, a hundred years ago, two hundred years ago, we really don't know what these people were like. I mean, other than other than what's been written down, right? Yeah. And and again, we we can't even we don't we can't even know what's really real and what's not because you know manipulations and stuff, right? Well, well people. And- in America in the 18 like 1840s were far more literate than they are today believe it or not oh i believe no, you're right. right i believe that right. but i don't believe that a 19 year old would have been able to write something like this right no i'm just saying okay well and and 15 year olds even would have been far more capable of marriage and starting a family to even to even 150 years ago than they would have been today than they would be because they the concept of adolescence is what we're talking about that's the change the concept of this period between childhood and adulthood that never existed in history and i'm pretty sure it's a, a completely jewish fabrication to to induce this culture of degeneracy you need to explore yourself you need to explore all of these degenerate things before you settle down right 
Right. The the concepts of free love and travel and all kinds of other things, which is funny because uh weren't wasn't wasn't her husband like a big proponent of free love? He was, and that was a part of the, the romanticist the yeah. movement. So you see the seeds of this being sown all the way throughout the eighteen hundreds, mm-hmm. all the way up until it became the norm in what what do you think, the sixties, seventies? What feminism? Well, feminism, adolescence as a concept. Oh, adolescence as a concept. Well, um, as we know it today, right? When did we first have our first generation of men who didn't actually own a real pair of shoes, <laughs> just sneakers? You know what I mean? Fifties? Um, would that be the no? It would have been the sixties, probably. 60s okay yeah, i think the 60s were like the last the 50s were like the last solid decade where adolescence was kind of a thing like you played high school football then you got out of school and got married and had kids if you didn't and if then you the went 60s to college, hit and it was like, like get out of get out of high school go do drugs go travel go whatever mm-hmm. well more people it seems like the draft during world during Vietnam kind of implemented that idea of the pre-draftable age a little bit more. Yeah, there's that too. There's yeah, then then there's the Vietnam thing, absolutely. Um and guys coming back from war, you know, who are 18, 19 coming back from war, they're technically, you know, I mean, they're still technically as far as as far as we consider now, 19-year-olds are still children, right? 19 years right. old like you can't you you can't possibly know what you want to do for the rest of your life at 19 oh god right that's how some people well are. if you just look at at what 19 year olds are doing nowadays right but actually look at people but like but like back then 19 year olds were on you know their second child or second marriage if their first person had died right or for some when did, you see did, hold on hold on did percy oh. get divorced or did she she died right no, she died. Okay. Conveniently. Um, there's another thing. Conveniently. There's a lot of convenient deaths in these kind of things. Well, they always died. They yeah. There was hardly ever hardly ever divorce, but uh, for the most part, it was... Um, well, the, the Catholic Church and the Anglican Church in, in England, after the split, they forbade divorce completely. Like, legally, it could never happen. So think of mysterious deaths as divorce right exactly i mean yeah that's obviously true (laughs) that's how that works henry the eighth is obviously the best example but he had what 15 wives Mm. no it was like four or five which one was it i thought what didn't one of them have like a ton i don't actually know a lot about european kings and how many wives they have i never i never never really got into like european monarch the history of european monarchies there were there were not many worse than henry the eighth when it came to like marriages that's that's why he's so singled out um six and six 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 there you go um either died in childbirth or they say they died in childbirth or they died of plague sickness, whatever. Those were the two big ones, Um, which again, they can say that, but the monarch could have always taken them out. So 
We we just don't know. Yeah, the the king would like have his queens like basically killed if she couldn't, you know, sire a child for him too. Yeah, if she couldn't produce a male heir, then yeah, <laughs> Gonzo. Sorry, <laughs> I mean, not really. Can you blame them though? No. Joking. I mean, no. <laughs> so, yeah, Henry VIII had six wives, and <laughs> because you know a lot of them they just, they just didn't have kids properly. Anyways, are we um are we done with Frankenstein? Because it is into the break time, you guys. Let's take a break. Yeah, sure. Okay, cool. Did anybody come with uh come up with a song? Put like three songs in there. Okay. I did not look. Cardinac, we are not playing Oingo Boingo. <laughs> what? We're no not Oingo playing Boingo. Oingo Boingo Weird Science. No. I mean, I, I like that song. But I do like that song. Uh, <laughs> what about She Blinded Me with Science? How long is this third one? Which one's the third one? It is. The Six thief. minutes, 45 seconds. All right, we'll do that one. All right, we're going we're gonna to listen to this, and we'll be back.
right, everybody, we're back. This is still the Paranormies. I'm still Johnny with Reinhardt, Grognak, and Jack. We're still talking about Frankenstein because it's still October. It's actually just now October. Um, well, not just now, but uh, we're into October, man. It's spoop month. You guys excited for, for October? I'm always excited yeah. for October. Yeah. What do you guys do? Do you guys do anything cool in the month of October besides, I mean, besides how obviously Halloween, but like besides that? Not well, for, oh, go ahead. You first. You first. Well, I was going to say, not, not really. I mean, down here where we're at, like we'll, we'll do pumpkin patch stuff. And um, I mean, that's about it. There's, there's no point in decorating anything. So we're just going to enjoy the changing of the season, the changing of the leaves. We've got an incredible amount of trees where we're at. So just enjoying how beautiful everything is. And my son wants to be Spider-Man. So. <laughs> right on. And Grognack? You said, you said well, nothing? my birthday is very close to Halloween, so I've always had a We've always had like big bash Halloween stuff in my family. My parents collect Halloween antiques, really, and stuff like that. So it's always been like the biggest holiday in my house. What are what are Halloween Christmas, antiques? Christmas is big too, but what are Halloween antiques? Like a lot, especially paper vintage stuff during uh, the fifties, made in Germany. They made a lot of neat stuff there at the time. It was very obviously. We get a lot of. Um, we get a lot of Halloween stuff from Germany, believe it or not, just like Christmas. I don't know if it's like super official over there, but they, they sure seem to enjoy it because a lot of old vintage decorations are made in Germany. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Nice. Yep. Yep. I, when we were, when I was younger, we always used to be involved in some kind of spook walk thing too, through the town or whatever oh, else. Cool. Those are always fun. That's cool. Um, when you know, we, my wife and I got back together. We got married again on Halloween. Nice. Yeah. So, kind of, kind of. I, I didn't think that one through because you know, we always do a live stream on Halloween, and we still haven't missed a live stream. So, <laughs> um, that's all I got to say about that. She can't hear me right now, so that's fine. No, we haven't, and we've had some interesting live streams the past four or five years. Right, I just make up for the the anniversary thing on another day, you know. So, because like you know, we always do the Halloween live stream, and it's always my anniversary. Right, right. right. So, you know how an- women in anniversaries, you know, we, do I have to say the say the line, Bart? Right, <laughs> gentlemen. <laughs> unless, <laughs> it's like. <laughs> But it's it's don't make me, do the thing. Don't make me point at the sign. Right. Anyways, wham anniversary. Yeah, it's all good. Hallmark. Don't make me point at the sign. Hallmark. Uh, God damn it. It may be Hallmark. our anniversary, but it's also the Paranormies Halloween live stream, yeah. and I can't right. not do that. So, yeah, so sorry. People need the spoop, and we must. Deliver. Right. It's literally the meme. <laughs> Babe, you don't need whatever. Bob, you don't need to do a live stream. My X amount of listeners need me, and my my niche and internet and Jack followers and need Grognack me. And, yeah, my what? My niche internet followers need me. That's right, and also you know you guys. 
Come on. And too, because what else am I going to do on Halloween? Right. Um, I can't trick or treat up here. You, they you do the trick or treat thing at churches now. So just do that and you're done by like five or six. Yeah. And trunk or treat, like even like that, just go buy your kids some candy for crying out loud. We just toss it at this point. Like if your kid, if your kid needs candy that bad, just, you know what I mean? Just get them a candy. Like don't, you don't need a, you don't need a bag of 37 different variations of corn syrup. Yeah. And corn we, syrup solids. We just toss it. We do it for the pomp and circumstance and hang out with people. And that's there's it. pomp. I mean, I get their circumstance, but there's pomp with Halloween. Come on. Well, and it's I mean, not even pe- people decorating <laughs> their, their trunks and they go like all Bro, out. I, I'm, I'm messing pomp and circumstance. It's funny. I'm sorry, but it's not even like your the kids are getting like actual size candy bars. Now it's the air quotes fun size. Oh, like, dude, and they're even about smaller. They're yeah. even smaller now than minis. Remember minis were like, at least minis are two bites. These things, you can put a handful of like, like a milk, like the little Milky Ways, the fun sizes, like in your mouth right now. Like they're, yeah, they're tiny. How much, how much longer till they uh, individually wrap each Skittle and uh, M&M? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like when whenever you buy a bag of chips mm. nowadays, it's getting progressively smaller. The bag <laughs> is more empty. My son just told me that yesterday. He's like, "Yeah, Dad, I bought a bag of air earlier today." I was like, "What?" Yeah. He's like, "Yeah, okay, okay, like, got- okay." Complainers, what's your favorite candy though, or at least what was your favorite candy at Halloween? What? I didn't get. I was in the middle of telling my kid's story. What the hell, man? Continue. Um. <laughs> I forgot what he said. I forgot the rest. Bought a bag of, of air. Damn it! Yeah, he bought a bag of air, and it was back. Oh, it doesn't matter now. It's not as much funny anymore. Okay, whatever. But it, Candy but bar. it is true. It is true. I- They're bags of air now, and you get you only get like a quarter of a bag of chips. It's terrible. Yeah, it's it is retarded. terrible. I I opened a bag of was it pork rinds and pork rinds. You know whatever. They're they're light anyway, right? And I open it up, and I'm like, what the hell? Where are they all? They're all at the bottom, and I'm like, that's not a lot. For the four, you pay bucks like two dollars for, for like a ten. So if you're looking at the bag, you know, top to bottom, it's like what ten inches, eight inches, sure, tall, and it's filled maybe sixty percent of the way, maybe. Yeah, if, if you're lucky. lucky. Yeah, say if you're lucky, and it's and it's something fluffy, right? Yeah. So really, in reality, what you're getting is like twenty percent of the bag. <laughs> exactly. It's stupid. It's terrible. Like shrinkflation is shrinkflation. Be real, yo. Throw putting straight up, not having a good chip time. No, putting your five G phones next to your. Uh, never mind. <laughs> okay, so we talked about Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, Frankenstein, Frankenstein's monster. Uh, what's called the New Prometheus. That's an interesting title too, the new Prometheus, right? Yeah, a lot called? of books back then had two titles. Yeah, but well, and- that now the book is whatever, but everybody remembers movies. People, what was it? Nineteen thirty-one is that what you said, Reinhardt? The first one? Yeah, thirty-one. Yeah, and that's the one. You know, it's alive, it's alive, and the lightning and all that stuff because he used lightning to raise basically a cadaver 
right? So electricity, interesting. But we know now that like defibrillators are, you know, electric and they jumpstart your heart. Basically, they knew that back then, which is interesting that they knew that way back then. And now we have defibrillators now. Right? How long do you think they've known that stuff? Yeah, I mean, Probably like, who was the first sure. person is like, I'm just going to, like, uh, put a bunch of electricity through you and see what happens. Right. Because, you know, the theory is, is oh, if you get struck by lightning, you know, you've you seen in the movies, anybody who's been struck by lightning is always like a weirdo or acts weird or, right? You know, has a stutter or something. Do you know anybody who's right. been struck by lightning? Does anybody know anybody that's been struck by lightning? Nope. I know people who have had electroshock therapy. That's not the same thing. True. But. True. But wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, I have some, I have. I have a couple buddies who ended up having to have electroshock therapy. Or one guy for sure. I don't know Was it helpful actually. for them? No. No, he's, no. He's, I was, yeah. yeah, I was gonna say my friend's dad had it, and uh, it made everything so much worse. What did he go in for? I don't quite remember. This was a while ago. Mm. I think it was right around when I first went active duty, so I wasn't exactly around much. Was it for beating the kids? Like you know, I mean, he's just you know. No, no. I, no I think it was like some PTSD stuff from <laughs> vietnam or something I, I oh forget. wow he had the he had the vietnam ptsd i had a disabled american veteran lived underneath me in my first apartment it was a three flat uh building in in connecticut so, uh you know i lived in the middle floor we had people above us and people below us pretty cool place but um the guy below us was was uh yeah the guy below us was a disabled american veteran who was very angry all the time PTSD, I guess. Understandable. Anyway, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, they did all kinds of experiments on the on the troops in Vietnam. Um, I wonder if they tried any electro, like, if they tried to raise anybody, if if the army was ever ra- trying to raise people from the dead, right, using using cadavers and stuff, maybe. But um, zombies, hell yeah, yeah. Where does it? Where does that come? <laughs> where does that come from, though? Like, like the electric. Um, it's from, it's from the movie, right? But is there, is there any other like reference where they would have gotten that from to put that in? Or is that just something that, you know, they, they just thought it would be cool. And now guess what? You know, we use appeared to me in a dream. Yeah. We use defibrillators to actually restart people's hearts. Right. And I guess, but in the, in the book, which was supposedly 200 years ago, there's no real talk of the electricity aspect, right? No, no, none at all. In, f- in fact, when he's going to make the Bride of Frankenstein, he's doing it on, on the ocean, like on a boat. He's just trying to like get secrecy. It was just about being quiet, right? And like making sure nobody found out. Yeah, he, he described it as a long process. It wasn't like steal a body and like wired up to, you know, some components in his secret shop, uh, his lab with all the blinking lights and whirring machines. Mm-hmm. It sounded a lot more like uh, he created them and 
needed his apertures to do it. Right. Um, and by apertures, what is that like procedures? I mean, apertures, I think aperture is like the opening on a camera lens or something. Yeah, I don't know. He's basically, it says he had like a big kit that he took with him. A oh, big okay. bag of instruments and stuff like that. That was the part they're kind of vague on in the book. Right, which is like the most important part. <laughs> oh yeah, sure. It's the part of the it's Definitely. the part of the book where they do the uh, skip ahead, skip it, yada yada yada. Right, you know. It's like yeah, you know, he was in the he was in the lab, blah 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 blah, and then we had the monster. What? Well, yeah. when Victor is telling Henry about it on the ship, he's basically telling him that like he can't divulge those secrets to him. Hmm. So. Since we're getting the the story through his perspective, we're getting the you know one thing led to another, and then my monster was alive. Right, right, yeah. But the as the Italians call it, bada boom, bada bing, right? Yep, yep, yep. You know, I went Some into the lab, and bada bing, bada boom. Right, I went to went into the lab. I grabbed a few parts, bada boom, bada bing. I got the monster. You know, hey. Step four, question mark, question mark, question mark. Step five, profit. But it is interesting because we've, you know, as far as the reanimation through um, electrification, we've shared some wacky videos on the channel where people like stimulate organs outside of bodies Mm -hmm. or like they have those weird little like chunks of muscle that they, they give a few amps to and they, start moving around right and they make it move and do whatever yeah yeah it's kind of creepy i mean there's something to it right so like when you get um when you get electroshock therapy it's supposed to it's supposed to work because it's supposed to manipulate the protons in your body like since you have all this electrical charge to you it's supposed to basically like hit the reset button on you in a way. So hmm. interesting. Mm. In the movies, they were, he was going after a particular brain. If you guys remember that he wanted the brain of a genius. Yes. Yes. I, how would you, yeah. How would you end up with the brain of a genius? Like, Hmm. You have to, you have to dig somebody up and cut their brain out. Cut their head off. Well, he he got the body out of a cemetery, and then he right. stole the brain. So the brain was outside, from outside the body. Right. So that was some of the original um, body horror stuff when I was younger that I remembered. Is basically this was about like swapping a brain with someone, that type of deal. All right. That's yeah. So that's and again, you know, this is all stuff that nineteen year old girl. Wrote. So back to the back to the uh, the electricity stuff. So that that didn't come in really until until the movies. So Hollywood added that really. Universal Studios, yeah. Universal Studios. That was the that's the 1931 production was Universal. Yeah, I want to say that they did all the cl- the original monster classics. Really? I did not know that they did all. You know who who else would have done it? Yeah, yeah. yeah think about that. Yes. So they did all the all the original monster movies. So man, could you imagine that studio? You got Lon Chaney, Bella Lugosi. Thirties to the fifties. Yeah, man. Oh, those two guys were like the the two pillars of of horror. Of horror, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
And the movies are great too. I'm sure we'll talk about them on the movie episode that we're going to do later this month. But um, those are like my favorite things to just like put on in the background through the month of October, just put on on the TV, have these spooky black and white movies. None of them are like, you know, there's no gore. There's no swearing. There's nothing bad in them. You know, they're kind of, they're very tame. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, Especially compared to nowadays, of course. Yeah. So who, okay, here's a question for you. Who is a better, who is a better Frankenstein? Boris Karloff or Bela Lugosi? Um, you know, as funny as this is going to sound, the one I was most familiar with was a kid was young Frankenstein. So that would be like, the guy from Everybody Loves Raymond. Oh, she's <laughs> the dad name. from Everybody Loves Raymond. <laughs> yeah, he was the Frankenstein. I mean, I, lo- I love the other two, too. I guess Boris Karloff. Boris Karloff's the original, obviously, right? Yeah, he's just got that yeah. very creepy look, the classic look. <laughs> Peter Boyle. <laughs> Peter Boyle. Very Jewish. Um yeah, well, I mean, Bela Lugosi was yeah. Boris Karloff's the original. Bela Lugosi is uh, in in uh, Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, right? Um, and boy, I can't pro- remember. No, I'm telling. That's what it was. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. I forgot. Even Robert De Niro played him at some point. Played <laughs> Frank. Yeah, in in uh, in the Mary Shelley's version. Mary Shelley. I've never seen just- that. It was just Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, right? Yeah. Mm. And then you got Christopher Lee. He was him in The Curse. Right. Curse of Frankenstein. Yep. A lot of great actors played the monster. I mean, I don't know if you want I guess. I mean, yeah. I mean, De Niro. Would you call De Niro a great actor? I I liked a lot of De Niro's uh, original movies like, I like Raging De Niro. Bull and I like Taxi Driver. You know, I like Taxi Driver. Yes, absolutely, Taxi Driver. Um, Heat. Uh, yeah, like that kind of stuff. Like you know, the early the early stuff. You know, Goodfellas, obviously. Casino. Obviously, he plays a Jew very well. Um, but yeah. I guess I, I guess he was a good act. Whatever. Yeah. So there's a lot of Frankenstein movies throughout the years. Um, I gotta go. I guess I guess I gotta go with Boris Karloff. And whoever yeah, he, he yeah. played him the most, I guess. Yeah, and then uh, whoever whoever played in uh, Monster Squad. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we we mentioned this on the I think with the Yeti episode, but there was a Frankenstein movie where he was basically they were basically crossing the two like um, the two th- thematically like um, because in the book the monster basically jumps off the vessel in the northern um, at, you know up there in the northern hemisphere around the North Pole. And then you get in this movie, I, th- I want to say it was called Victor Frankenstein. I want to say that's the name of the movie. And he's, there's a descendant of Frankenstein and he's trying to track down the monster because the last known thing about him is he was just wandering around in like 
the Yukon or something like that. I liked that movie. Never heard of it actually. It was almost it was like one of those found footage style movies where they're doing like a documentary of their expedition and everyone's getting hunted down by the Frankenstein. Interesting. Yeah. Like I said, man, um, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of Frankenstein movies. There's, yeah, there's some I haven't even heard of. Uh, at least at least there's no um, Abraham Lincoln Frankenstein Slayer. <laughs> hey, that book was actually not bad. The movie was really bad, but the book was good. Was it? Yeah. How do you portray Lincoln as a vampire hunter? Um, basically he was, he was just some guy and he got attacked by one and he survived the attack and found out about vampires existing in America and made it his thing to try to take him down. The, the gay part was they kind of tied in the idea that the elites, the Southern elites were trying to keep slavery legal to have like a stock of blood supply. You know what I mean? Like that's why they wanted them Hmm. for food. But interesting. It was it was it was still a good book. I'd recommend it. I never read the Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies one by the same guy. Hmm. All right. Well, um, let's run out, run out of stuff back yet. Okay. Well, we don't we don't get to find out who his favorite Frankenstein is. But um, moving on. Well, Frankenstein is basically. A golem. We said that earlier. Mm. And golems are. Let me close that one out. Oh, that's a good one for show art. Um, hold on, Mary Shelley. Jeez, we opened up a lot. I opened up a lot of. Here we go. The Jewish Museum has an article on golems, but it's Jewish folklore. Golems. Golems are a Jewish construct. Um, it's an image endowed with life. An image meaning uh, what, like a, a statue or, or like a picture, can become to life. You know, if, if 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 the rabbi does the thing, he's clay a lot of the times. Right, they're usually clay Hebrew stuff. Right. Uh. Um. They uh. That's how. I, that's so. Basically, the rabbi takes a charm. Or a combination of letters forming a sacred word of one or actually the secret name of God. Then the letters, they write them on paper, they place it in the golem's mouth, or they like tie it to its head or whatever. And then uh, that's, that's then the golem, boom, it's alive. And then you can get rid of it by like taking the paper out of its mouth or off its head, wherever it is. So. <laughs> you get back your receipt. <laughs> don't get lose back the, your deposit. Yeah, don't lose the receipt. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's like the coin at Aldi. <laughs> so now, why why do they need a clay golem when they just have like you know the law? Like they're, they're lawyers. What do they need golems for? Well, back then, this is in Jewish folklore. So this is a long time ago. Um, 
Oh, wow. In the Talmud, uh, they call a golem, basically a golem refers to an embryonic or incomplete substance. Hmm. So anyway, um, what was the question? Hang on. <laughs> I'm getting tired. It's it's like it's late. So, Well, I'm just trying to think of instances where Jews have needed actual golems. Oh, where Jews have needed golems. Just, uh, well, there was, yeah, there was the Jew, uh, there was Rabbi Judah Law Ben Ebezul, Bezulel, excuse me, Judah Law, Judah Lo Ben Bezulel of Prague. Uh, that's the most famous one. So the, there was a, a guy who wrote a novel called, Gustav Mirink wrote a novel called Der Golem. Uh, and there was a, a film, and yes, so. The story is, here we go, let's, let's look at this, and of course, that's the same article. It's funny how these, these articles, links are circular back to the same article that I'm reading. <laughs> oh, yeah. Everything is self-referential on the internet. Right. Um, okay, where's the story? I mean, well, the word goes back. It's a cat, you know, it goes back to the Sefer Hayatzira. Hayatzira. Sefer Hayatzira, the book of formation, which is a Kabbalistic text that deals with the process of the creation of the universe. Uh, man, it's too bad I got rid of that Zohar, right? No, uh, the Hebrew way. I would say no. <laughs> well, that was a good idea. Whatever. Yeah, I just can't make golems now. Yeah, it summoned Reinhardt. <laughs> there you go. See? <laughs> um, so yeah, so golem, the the word golem, it's a Hebrew word. Uh, it comes from, oh, I saw this thing earlier, and this is not the page that had it, but uh, whatever, there's a Jewish construct from the beginning, um, all the way back to the Talmud. Um, of course, they also use it uh, to, you know, to uh, refer to people whose behavior is unbalanced or uncultivated in contrast to learned or a wise man. So in Yiddish, they basically use it as a, like a stupid, clumsy person. So, Not surprising. Yeah. Now, technically, if Adam was formed from dust, wouldn't Adam be a golem hmm. created by God? In this definition, maybe. The ultimate <clears throat> rabbi. But Adam had a soul. It. Golems do not have a soul. Yeah, the breath of life. Right. Right. So it's funny you mentioned that about what what did you say they they're they're skilled at dodging things or something? Well, I mean I mean Mel, the golems. Mel I mean Mel Gibson did call Winona Ryder an oven dodger. So in um you remember yeah. Oliver Twist? You have the the Jew Fagan. He basically has the, the golem known as the artful dodger. Mm. It's the the non-Jewish guy, he has do all his evil deeds. That was funny. That's his name. I always remember that. What was his name? Golem? Artful Dodger. Artful. His name was Artful Dodger? Mm-hmm. What a weird name. Well, the Jew's name is the Jew's name is Fagan. Remember Fagan? I, dude, Oliver Twist, that was like... Fagan? Yeah, like a long Fagan. time ago. No, I'm pretty Fagan. sure we called him Fagan in class, but yeah. That was like, he was a... Uh, 10th grade? What's his name from Star Wars played him? Obi-Wan. You know who I'm talking about. I know you guys have seen that. Yes. Yeah. 
If you've seen it, if you've never seen a picture of him, listeners, it does not even look like Alec Guinness. The the, the prosthetic job is amazing. What what movie? Oliver Twist. Uh, I don't think I've I'll ever. Put, seen I'll put a movie. picture. I'll put a picture in there. Anyways, um, so what, is, what does that have to do with, being a, with a golem? Well, he, he basically has a golem in that, not like an actual oh, clay okay. man, but the he uses a a white man to do his dirty work. Oh. So more like a consigliere. Just as we often call the um, the Black Lives Matter movement like a golem of modern day Jews, right? So two th- the movie came out in 2005. You talking about that one? The one in 2005, Oliver Twist? Or is it an earlier one? Oh, no, no, there's old ones. Okay, 1948? Yeah. Well, is this, is this guy brainwashed? <laughs> Because no, he's bribed. Different. He's just he's just like bought off. He gives him oh, he gives him stuff. He gives him loot I'd, stuff. I would call that different, far different than than a golem. Golem is something that you you pour substance into. Mm. It's an alchemical creation, which is why it's so intertwined with like the Kabbalah, the Zohar. You know, you're you're pouring essence into something you can't create a soul can we do we all agree on that i i don't believe that you can create an immortal soul no um yeah so what you're creating is an automaton which is a concept right right. you know from archimedes all the way up to solomon ibn gebrol or avicabron okay okay all right who this guy was a Jewish rabbi out of Spain around the 10th century, 11th century. Oh, hang on one I second. Say. Before we get rid of Oliver Twist, uh, I guess yeah. Fagan was the Jew, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's the Jewish guy. He's, he's referred like to child, him. He's like the child napper. Yeah, he's referred to him uh, in the first 38 chapters of the book, Oliver Twist, uh, He's considered the archetype, archetypal Jewish villain. Uh, first 38 chapters of the book, Fagan is referred to by his racial and religious origin 257 times. <laughs> yeah, you got to nice. love Dickens. Dickens is like nice. the classic anti-Semite. <laughs> oh, yeah. He was a weirdo, but he was definitely an anti-Semite. Absolutely. <laughs> Humbug. That's hilarious. Well, okay. who owned the poorhouses? Tell me, who owned the freaking poorhouses? <laughs> exactly. <sighs> who was exactly making it a hard knock life? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, go, go on, Reinhardt. I mean, I just saw that, and like as I was skimming past all the uh, Oliver Twist stuff, and I saw the allegations of anti-Semitism, I was like, oh, I gotta see this. So go ahead. No, it's fine. Um, no, the the concept of a golem has existed for thousands and thousands of years as an automaton that Archimedes called it. Um, you have the Shabtis in 
Egyptian mythology. The Shabtis were uh, little clay or even wooden, but I think they were clay, servants uh, that would be placed in the tombs of the pharaohs mm-hmm. so they could serve them in the afterlife. Uh, the golem itself, by that name, is a Jewish creation. Um, right. It The word does appear a couple of times in the Bible. Um, I think once in like Jeremiah and once somewhere else, but, but not often. Um, it typically has its roots in literal Jewish Talmudic mythology and mysticism, Kabbalah. Probably the most famous of the Kabbalistic philosophers that you see in regards to these golems is Solomon ibn Gabriel, um, who's who is also given the name Avicabron in like the 18th, 19th century. So like nowadays you'll you'll find that name attached to him a lot. But he claimed to have raised a golem or created one. Um even just for for household chores. But these things were were created for all sorts of reasons. They were created as guards, household chores. Um, right, but like you know, now, whatever. I don't know. They were used to protect to protect them from the goyim, though, right? In some cases, yeah. Like most and there cases. was a ritual. There was a ritual recorded to create one. And you need to be cleansed before you do so. Ooh, um, okay, Reinhardt, I don't want to, well, actually you, but uh, Golem supposedly only appears once in the entire Bible, Psalm 139, 15. Oh, you're right. You're exactly right. No, no, no. I was thinking of the LXX where they try and make Jeremiah a there's a verse in Jeremiah where they try and say that he created a golem, mm. but you're right. Psalm one thirty nine fifteen. Um. So with creating one, there are steps to do so. Oh wait, guys! Okay, Adam was a golem for the first twelve hours of his existence, and then and God gave him a soul. I'm looking at, uh, what is this? Ancientorigins.net. Talking mm. about golems. Uh, here, hold on. But, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty interesting, though, that, that uh, <laughs> they're saying that, you know. So the story is the golem. They actually believe people actually believe that you can do this. That people still, I'm sure they can. I mean, I've seen I've seen John Fetterman. <laughs> okay, you guys ready well, for some mine? You ready for some Minecraft lore? Uh oh. You know those the villagers in Minecraft? You ever see them? It looks like they have beaks. Yeah. I was informed by my kids that those were actually big noses. Okay. Huh. They also have iron golems in the in the villages. Mm-hmm. So the the, the Minecraft. Jewish villagers have golems. There you go. Okay. Sorry. Nice. Mean to interrupt. 
do. That's fine. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, I mean, apparently the, the guys of Minecraft, what, Mojang, Mojang, the original developers, before they sold the character you, Yeah, the character you play as, Steve or whatever, Steve. who, like, works the ground, does not have a big nose. Yeah, no, Steve's, mm-hmm. Steve's, yeah, Steve's a good dude. So there, there are steps to creating this golem. There's four. You need a ritual cleansing and, of course, high qualification. So you need to be very, very learned in the Talmud and the Kabbalah. Right. You can't just uh, go around. Something. You can't just go around creating golems. No, which, sorry, all of you, like, TikTok witches, it ain't happening. <laughs> TikTok witches. Uh, step two, the use of some form of soil, sometimes clay, dust, or gypsum, to form the body of the golem. Just some sheetrock dust to work. Hmm? Some gypsum, just some sheetrock dust. I mean. (laughs) That's all it is. Might as well sweep it up and save it for later. Don't throw it away. Right. If if you're in the right, like, industry, you'll find enough of it. Dude, yeah, I can't imagine how many golems these Mexicans have. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. But it has to be particularly soil, which has never been plowed or used in any way, so you cannot use sheetrock dust. Okay. Step three, the use of a verbal ritual to form the soil into a human form. So you're using a an incantation, essentially, right. to make it into a human form. And a concluding word or name is used to activate the creature. Medieval techniques of creating golem often resol- revolved around a highly complex procedure re- which required the mystics to recite presumably from memory and probably while in a state of meditation, an array of Hebrew alphabet letter combinations and or various permutations of one, of one or more names of, quote, God. Huh. It didn't have well, air quotes around there, but I'm saying The secret name of God, actually. Right. Right. Yes, because they're Sefer Yatsirah, they're Yahweh, you know, Tetragrammaton, Johnny, you and I talked about this earlier. You have to combine each letter of the supposed tetragrammaton in this ritual. Right. You got to collect all Um, the Pokemons in the. Yeah. Right. There was a golem in an an episode of X Files, apparently. Was there? (laughs) I didn't know that. He went around murdering neo Nazis. (laughs) No way. I got to watch this episode. Yeah. I yeah, missed I watch this the now. villains wiki. Right Dude, I thought I saw all of the X Files, but apparently I've missed quite a few. I missed that. Yeah, I missed that one. No, you know why? You know what happened? Do you remember the episode of X Files where they had like the family where there was like the thing living in the basement under the stairs? Yeah, like, like the whatever it was. Yeah, that one made me not not watch the X Files for like a month. So I think I missed like five or six episodes that season. Good lord! Yeah. Well, if they had a golem in in one episode, I definitely yeah, it was like it. it looked. Well, it was like kind of like a crab ass nigga, like like really low to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like it, no, it was, it was like okay, maybe, maybe I'm conflating. I'm I'm com- I'm combining this with the dude from Basket Case. Are you talking about the episode with the guy who could stretch through like air vents and stuff like that? No. 
Wasn't there one with like a thing that lived in somebody's basement? It was like a relative of whoever's house it was, a kid or something. And it was like really deformed, like, I don't know, it kind of like walked on its back kind of thing. I don't know. It's a long time ago. Some X-Files watcher who's seen them all knows something about what I'm talking about. It has to. I got to riff through that series again. Yeah. yeah. I have, I don't have time. I never have time to watch anything. Um, I don't either. Yeah. My wife and I have like one or two hours to watch an episode of like criminal minds, <laughs> criminal minds, but that's it. You guys watch all like one hour to, to do anything. And you watch procedural crime dramas. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> what are you guys? For 60? The, first, the both of you guys are like 60. Like five. Five seasons, six seasons. It's not that bad. Oh yeah, yeah. You watch like yeah. You you, you blow through, you know, forty, fifty fake, fake stories about crimes that would never happen. The fact that you have to say it's not the, that the bad means it is that bad. Yeah. The it is what that. In what season are you on? I actually do what they actually do. Right. Right. And procedural crime dramas. Or like the reason why people think cops do anything other other than enforce fines, right. You know, <laughs> right? Right? Why do you do what you do? Because we get to help people. <laughs> if the FBI actually help people, right? I mean, they're just the extortion collection arm of the government, really. Right. No, we have a revolving door of of certain shows that we watch. We don't watch anything okay. new. All right. I might right. actually push to watch uh, X Files. Rewatch X Files. All right. Well, I mean, like, well, my wife likes old British stuff. Like, are you being served? Which is terrible, but it's still kind Ooh, of funny. Uh, Black Adder. I like Black Adder. She doesn't. Black Adder is great. Oh my gosh. I like all those old. Is that the one with Mr. Bean? Yes. Yes. Okay. Rowan Atkinson. We're great. Yeah. Rowan Atkinson wasn't. Um. Oh, what's his name that played House? Uh, Hugh Laurie. Hugh Laurie. Wasn't he on yeah. there too? Yeah. He was real young though. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was super young, you, mm-hmm. Lori. Um. Anyway, so finishing up with homunculi, not homunculi, but golems. But yeah, golems and homunculi. So homunculi are basically a created being created from a seed of some sort, right? So you would grow a homunculi. Now a golem, they just turn a dust or a clay figurine or or an image or whatever a carved thing. And it would just poof, it was alive, right? Right. Well, the homunculus has to grow. That's right. A, that's a difference. And neither neither have an immortal soul. Right. Which is right. It was just with the like the story of Adam being a golem, but oh, but only for a minute. But anyway. Um, well, and and both. So golems especially have to follow orders. That's what they're created to do. They're automatons homunculi are a more interesting beast in my opinion yeah and you know, reinhardt do you think i was gonna say uh do you think tolkien gave schmiegel the name Gollum on purpose it's possible because all he did at at that point after taking the name or being given the name Gollum was you know, search for the ring. That was his automaton quest. 
Yeah, Rise of Order. I, I, I'm no, I disagree. I don't think he was a golem. Like I don't think he used. No, 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 no. Not that he was. was. No, but that Tolkien used. I don't know that he. I don't know that Tolkien did that. No, no. Taking the name and the idea of this golem, which has a singular purpose, and that singular purpose with golem is to get the ring back. It's referring, not not. Yeah, making him into one, but no, referring I get, I get back I, to that concept. I, I understood the whole concept of what was being said. Thank you. Oh, sorry. No, I, I just don't. I, I just you didn't have to restate it for me. I disagreed. Like that's a whole. <laughs> like, sorry. Yeah, I, I don't, disagreed. I, oh, you must not be understanding. Yeah, no, paranormies disagree. <laughs> no, I understand. I just don't think that's what I just. I, I don't think that. I, I don't think that Tolkien made up the sound that Gollum made. And that was the um, 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 um. that's where like the, it came from, right? And I don't know that I don't know that that's where personally I, I maybe, but I don't think that's where Tolkien was going with that personally. Like even even like esoterically, that's just my opinion. But I get what you are saying a hundred percent that he did have the one, yeah. But but it wasn't but it wasn't for reasons why a golem would have a singular purpose. It was it was because. Um. Well, I don't know. Actually, now that you think about it, because well, the ring was controlling him. Well, he was he was beyond addicted. Yeah, and that's the yeah, that's the other thing. Addiction. It was a need. Yeah, it was. It was was, was everything that he was. Completely different reasoning. Yeah, it completely changed him from an actual hobbit. Probably whatever Smeagol and Deagle were. Were they? Were they? Would you consider them? They were. They were proto hobbits. They were river people. Okay. Okay. So they were hobbits. Harfoots, most likely. Harfoots. Okay. So they were. Yeah, they were cousins. Uh, but yeah, but the the ring changed him from what would be technically human to whatever Gollum was. So, right. So a little bit different. That's why I disagree with you on that. But that's okay. We see. We disagree. But he, yeah. Okay, it happens. But but anyways, um. But yeah, no, he did have a singular purpose to get back the ring, but it was for a completely other reason. It wasn't to. But, uh, I don't. know, He just wanted it. It was his. He wanted it for himself. It was his precious. Well, it was, it was it's, it's beyond a want. Yeah. It it's beyond a want and beyond an addiction. Right. If if if, if there's something in your life that makes <laughs> look you... What I, look what I did. I'm like, hey, Tolkien, Lord yeah. of the Rings. <laughs> oh, no. Sorry, but, guys. <laughs> no, I'm, I mean, whatever. I'm, it's fine. But uh, yeah, whatever. Let's, let's, let's go back to golems. Yeah, so so they do have their roots beyond uh, beyond the Kabbalah and, and Jewish mysticism back into the ancient world, but their most popular gotta, gotta form, love those necromancers, right? <laughs> well, their most popular form is in <laughs> Jewish mysticism and Jewish necromancy. That that is the most popular form that we know today. And the like only way I really know a, a golem is from Diablo. I'll be honest. That's like my introduction to what a golem is. Well, dude, Diablo took so much from Kabbalah. So many games, video games, and anime have taken so much from Kabbalic mysticism. It's ridiculous. 
Hmm. And this guy is Solomon Ibn Gabriel, that is is named Ave Cabron. He is probably the most famous, single most famous um, creator of a golem. Who? Just call him Ave Cabron. Really that mo- is the Latinized name that is given to his Hebrew name. More popular um, than the, the the Prague guy. He's he's more famous outside of conventional circles. Okay. He lived know. about the 11th century. Okay. Um, wrote, claimed to have written, what, 24 books? Hmm. On mysticism and philosophy? Hmm. Yeah. Um, and created a female golem, I believe. Hmm. Oh, wait, there was the golem of Chaim. I guess C-H-E-I-M, Chaim. was uh, the earliest description of a golem being created. It was a, a rabbi, Elahu of Chaim. Chaim, Chaim. He was a Polish Kabbalist. Kabbalist. Hmm. Interesting. So back in 15... Something doesn't say doesn't say the yeah there part. there are several legends from well from Solomon all mm. in the 11th century all the way up to the 15th 16th 17th century of yeah. of these guys creating golems and it's always tied to Jewish Kabbalah and alchemy which I repeat myself hmm. hmm. Do you think your credit score has to be really good to create a golem? No, I don't. <laughs> if it does, I'm screwed. I don't think, think if well, your credit score gets really, really bad, you become a golem. Well, that's the thing I was going to say. Oof. Yeah, Oof. that's what I was. I was going to say. Jack beat me to it. Yeah, if your credit score goes down far enough, well, first they send the golem to your house. Then you have to fight him in combat, and whoever wins becomes the golem. Right. Does he look like Emilio Estevez? What? What about him? What about Emilio Estevez? Does the golem look like Emilio Estevez? No, he looks. Why would it look like? Hold on, hold on. Why would it look like Emilio Estevez? Never seen Repo Man. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. He's just. It's the first Repo Man that came to mind. Repo Man. So Consigliere. Fair enough. My golem looks like Luis Guzman. Oof. <laughs> That's well, unfortunate. Boogie nights. <laughs> oh no! Oh, All right. All right. That's enough about that. So, so golems are a Jew thing. Interesting. Hmm. I'm not surprised. And they do go back to Egypt and Babylon. Right. So. Kabbalah and yeah yeah ancient um um I don't know well in Babylon like that's one of the things Jason talks about uh from Jason Brashears from Archaics he talks about um the libraries in Babylon that had all of these texts that eventually the Kabbalah came out of right so this is actually probably more ancient than the Kabbalah 
Right. Well, in the concept of of giving a form of life to an inanimate object is definitely more ancient than the Babylonian Jewish stuff that we see today. Right. All right. Well, that's enough. So that's what you know, we gonna say. I was gonna say it's a lost science. Ah, well, it's been repurposed. Is it really? Has it really? Been, has it just been lost to? Well, not really lost. I mean, only the only the most learned of rabbis knew it anyway. Right. So uh, who knows? You, you don't know, Reinhardt. You don't know. They might be them. Them rabbi niggas might be making golem niggas all the time. You don't know that. <laughs> What would you think about connecting the concept of golems to AI? Um, and robots. Yeah, I was just thinking that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess a robot like a, like could a be surrogate. Yeah, I guess. Well, I guess a robot could be considered a, a golem because golems aren't really sentient, and but they do things. And they obey commands even to the point of being like too perfect. And you're like, no, that's not exactly what I meant, right? But that's the thing is, you, wasn't that one of the stories about the golems? Is like the the one guy who made the, the one rabbi made the golem, and he wasn't very specific with what he said, or is that just from a cartoon? Yeah, they, they, go, they go out of control. Yeah, yeah. There there was a old black and white uh, set of films called the Golem. Okay. I'm sure you guys have seen the images yeah. from them. The guy has the weird, yep. silly haircut. Yeah. 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 I guess a few of them were lost. A lot of those old movies got lost. Law, air quotes, lost. Yeah. Just Burned like the, up, whatever. Like, like the moon footage. All right. Well. Yeah, that's the thing. If you knew, if you knew, like that stupid Hollywood movies were getting burned up and like destroyed, wouldn't you do better to preserve like the most important national archives? You would think that. Like. You you would think. Yeah. <laughs> oh well. Oh well. Oh well. All right. We are gonna we're gonna wrap this one up. This is a good one. Uh welcome to Spooptober, everybody. We'll be back on Tuesday with the Nationalist Inquirer live on D Live Pilled and Odyssey. Uh go check out N A T I O N V L National dot com. And uh we now have shirt up there. <laughs> um we now have a shirt and a hat. For sale. Check them out. Go buy some. I'm serious. Go buy some. This is a threat. Definitely. Uh, there will be a creepy pasta following this. And uh, I don't know. Reinhardt, Grognak, Jack. You guys want to say anything before we get out? I've got nothing. No? All right. Reading Check makes you candy. retarded. Oof. Damn it. Do that again? One at a time? Reading makes you retarded. Reading makes Jack retarded. I was already retarded. <laughs> Jokes on you! I was already retarded. All right, <laughs> all right. We're gonna get out. We're gonna get out of here. Jesus. Later. Time travel makes you gay. There was a party for monsters in the old haunted house. Witches flew to the crumbling old mansion on their broomsticks, their forms almost eclipsing the full moon. That same full moon brought forth werewolves who licked their lips as they approached the house, no doubt thinking of the treats that they would be served. Vampires flew out of their coffins, and ghosts floated out of their graves, all to attend the party they had been invited to. Even though I was a human, I had been invited too. I asked Shannon if she wanted to come as well, but she was far too scared. I, on the other hand, had been interested in horror ever since I was a child. 
and I had always dreamed of meeting Dracula or Frankenstein in the flesh. So off I went to the big haunted mansion, the dark shadow that loomed over our entire town. Up that tall hill I walked, until I reached the front porch of the monochrome mains. A mummy shambled toward the front door, not even acknowledging my existence, and bats swooped down from the chimney. Even though I had been looking forward to this event, I still took a deep breath before I stepped in, preparing myself for anything the monsters might do to me. Though the main hall was covered with dust and cobwebs, the bifurcate staircase, the marble floor, and the chandelier gave it a sense of grandeur. This environment made the smell of blood and rotting meat actually smell inviting, and I actually found myself wanting to join the werewolves in their feast. In fact, I did. As if pulled by an invisible force, I walked towards the table filled with body parts and joined the werewolves in chewing an arm. Though I thought any second they would pounce on me and chew on my arm, they just ignored me. Actually, I think one werewolf even smiled at me. I couldn't help but wish Shannon was here. I felt she would have enjoyed this. Then I went over to the vampires, all of them with pale skin, pointed ears and fangs and black robes, a large cauldron of blood, stirred by a witch. Some of them dipped chalices into the cauldron, but some drunk straight from the cauldron. One vampire dared me to do the latter, and without hesitation, I dipped my head into the blood and lapped it up. Something about it reminded me of Shannon. I wanted to drink more, but something drove my body away from it. Something drove me to talk to the other monsters. No, not just other monsters. There were other humans like me. I joined the other humans in chatting with the mummies and the ghosts. I think Shannon would have liked them. Then I ate body parts with the werewolves again. Then I drunk blood with the vampires again. Then I chatted with the ghosts and mummies and humans again. Then I ate with the werewolves. Then I drunk blood. Then I chatted. Then I ate. Then I drunk. Then I chatted. Then a new monster arose and everyone stood still. I attempted to move, but every muscle in my body was frozen. This monster wasn't a vampire, or werewolf, or witch. The only way I could describe it was as a blob. One that looked like it was made up of spoiled milk. Smelled like it too. I hope you're all enjoying your little party, said the creature, raising an arm that appeared out of nowhere. As he raised his arm, all of us took a step forward. He lowered his arm, and we took a couple steps back. You're partying because I want you to party. When you're partying, you can't hurt anyone. So enjoy your food and games, because you're going to be staying here quite a while. The figure disappeared, but his influence remained. He forced my body to eat and drink and chat over and over again, and I could do nothing to stop him. All I could think about was Shannon, how lovely she was, how lovely it was, when I strangled her.